four guys in a comic. Here to entertain you this week are your contestants, Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. All right, everyone, welcome back to a brand new edition of Four Guys in a Comic. This is Tap, and with us today, we have three special guests with us. We have Tom Reardon, author of Killbox. We have Phil Kim, author of Famous Monsters, and part, uh, like, founder, I guess you could say, of American Gothic Press. And then we also have Holly Innerlandy, who is an editor as, w- as well as a writer for uh, Lost in Space miniseries. So, everyone, welcome. Hey, hello. Yeah, welcome on. Thank you. Hey. Hello. Thank you. Got, got a lot of people on today. Yeah, I know, good. right? It's. I think this is one of the largest groups that we've had on here besides the... In quite some time. Yeah, quite yeah. some time, yeah. yeah. yeah but uh, nice to have you guys on. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Phil, I think Phil's the publisher over there. Can we lose somebody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Phil's uh, Phil's publisher of Famous Monsters. And uh, what did you write? Um, he's, what can you say you wrote at, at Famous Monsters, Phil? Uh, I don't write at Famous Monsters. Oh, I know. I publish. I, I, I actually wrote a few short stories, and, you know, I, I try not to. Um, use my superpowers for evil. So Phil is I let actually, other people. actually the creator of a lot of our um, original comics at American Gothic Press. They were originally his ideas that other people flushed out for him, so. including there, broken gun suits. Isn't there a comic on uh, on American Gothic Press called Famous Monsters, Phil, that you were writing? Oh no, Monster it's uh, uh, Monster World. Yeah. Monster World. That's yeah, Monster what it World. is. Sorry, Monster that's World. what I yeah. meant. Man, yeah. I no, that's okay. Do that one. I knew it was something. No, no, no. I was just looking at it earlier. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Oh man! All right. Well, getting into this, um, let's have each one of you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, start with you, Holly. I'm editor in chief of American Gothic Press. Um, I was uh, hired on to be editor at Famous Monsters, but then when American Gothic started up, I hopped over and did that. Started doing that instead. Um, yeah, I uh, basically I'm, I'm editor of all the titles we put out. I'm also I also adapt all the Lost in Space scripts that we're doing, and I did another adaptation. It's coming out of one shot. So basically, I live and breathe American Gothic press on editing. Yeah, cool. How'd you uh, meet these guys? Uh, well, actually, um, when Phil and Famous Monsters were based in LA, because that's where I live. Um, they're based in Tarzana, actually, and I uh, I found Famous Monsters on a uh, on a newsstand, and I, w- I wrote a letter to the editor, and um, I was actually I came in for an interview, and actually I was actually hired on as a copy editor for Famous Monsters magazine, and um, I I that was back in 2011, so I've been actually with Famous Monsters, the company, for five years now. Very nice. Very cool. And yeah, nice and Tom Tom just pitched his pitched his uh, story to American Gothic and. We loved it. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So, um, Tom, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself now, and then go on. Tell us how you got into this whole mess. I've basically been a writer my whole life, um, you know, just not a published one, you know. Uh, had tons of rejection letters when I was a kid, all that fun stuff. Uh, when I moved out to L.A., I started writing um, screenplay format. You know, you're in Los Angeles, one in Rome. You have to – that's what you have to do. So uh, I wrote uh, for – Primarily low-budget independent stuff. And one of the films that I wrote was called Project 12. 
which was concerning all conspiracy theories and stuff out at Area 51. And our initial showing of that was at the Roswell International Sci-Fi Film Festival, which Famous Monsters was putting on. And that's how I met Phil. I met him at the film festival. So Phil and I actually became friends pretty much right now. No, no, hey, don't, don't spread rumors. rumors. Yeah, well, <laughs> I became friends with Phil and he hated it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, that's where we met. We met there um, and had been friends for years. And uh, then, you know, they launched the comic side of Famous Monsters. And, of course, I started sniffing around because... Yes, I want to write. <laughs> yes, I do. You, you have the comics coming, Phil. How are you doing with the comics? You know, do you have any room for some more titles, Phil? You know, and he finally broke down and he listened to my pitch, and I pitched him Killbox, and he liked it. And um, and Kali ended up being getting assigned to it, and she ended up being one of my biggest champions over there. Uh, so I wrote the first four straight off the gate and submitted all four story arcs and Holly's made me seem literate, so to speak. <laughs> well, I mean, minus, minus spell check. I, uh, I mean, I am illiterate without spell check. I think it's about where society is gone. You know, everything's underlined green and I just have to go through my scripts and then I turn them over to my wife who actually goes and proofreads them before I send them over to Holly. So, I mean, no, but uh, she, she's been a champion of the script. The script's a lot of fun. Uh, we got, you know, they assigned Nathan Gooden to do the art. And that guy is amazing. He is just amazing. Um, sitting around on Sundays like a kid the night before Christmas, just waiting for the page. So he gets pages every Sunday. Wait for my next four pages. From my understanding, American Gothic Press is a uh, kind of a, a branch of famous monsters. Is that right? So basically, uh, you know, I grew up with comics, uh, collected comics until I, I just, you know, remember in the 80s, like, hot chicks didn't like comic geeks. They just didn't. We, we were, I, I'd go to a comic convention and there was like 800 of us and, you know, we all were eating paste and trying to keep our horn room glasses together with tape. And so it, it was not the cool thing it was today. So I held on as long as I could. And at age about 14, you know, I discovered girls and I just, I kind of folded, but never left loving comics. And so, um, you know, when I got into uh, Famous Monsters, I actually came in as a filmmaker and uh, I had an opportunity to become a publisher. So I took it on uh, gladly. Uh, times had changed. Um, you know, it, it became very mainstream and I felt like I could do something with it. So uh, fast forward, Famous Monsters is a magazine. So a lot of our content is purely based on um, other people's IPs. So, uh, you know, people would always come up to us and say, hey, I remember Famous Monsters back in the day. And, and uh, you know, uh, how do we turn this you know into something? And and at the end, Famous Monsters has no real. Uh, intellectual property to turn into a television. I mean, we we were, we we constantly get approached by um, by producers and by networks to do something. And in the end, there was really no story to build around except for S. J. Ackerman and just the legacy of of, of FM. So, um, and, and paralleling that, I had never stopped writing stories because um, I when I came to Hollywood, I had every intention of making you know a gazillion movies. So. 
um, having running a magazine, it's just it's incredibly uh, t- uh, time consuming. So I kind of inadvertently stopped making films, but I kept re- uh, writing strips. So um, about 18, 20 months ago, we were uh, sitting at a studio meeting and yet again, the conversation about, hey, you know, what about content came up and I just kind of got sick of trying to answer around that. So I'm like, damn it, let's just create a comic book company. So um, we had been toying with that for years. I mean, literally ever since we took over FM, we had been toying with uh, creating a comic book company because you don't just go create something like that. You know, you have to really be thoughtful about it. So so this kind of became the catalyst over many years thinking about it and we just felt like we needed to launch it. Uh, Holly uh, is an, just I just can't say enough how much Holly is uh, a resource for this. She has grown up doing this. She had, you know, her, her profession is doing this. Uh, she has been in it for so long. I just felt really fortunate that, you know, she was editing Famous Monsters. And I just kind of looked at her. I'm thinking, we can do this. We can do this. Um, and, and it's interesting how it came about because initially uh, we went to our friends at IDW and we said, hey, we got four stories we want to write. And then he said, stand in line. I'm like, but no, our stories are good. <laughs> stand in line. And I said, no, but they're really good. And he goes, okay, you can stand in line, but it'll be a shorter line. It was 16 months before they were going to even, you know, think about publishing. And I said, I, I just can't wait that long. So anyway, so uh, we launched American Gothic Press and um, we took out four stories. Um, and then we've just been going ever since. So we're, we're it's. It's probably one of the main reasons I get up in the morning uh, to do this job is because it doesn't really matter if it's my story or Tom's story or someone else's story. You know, we, we, we did a film festival recently where it was a film and comic fest where we were looking for uh, young talent. And um, we run across a book called Thin, and it was incredible. It was, the art was incredible, it was very indie, but it wasn't, indie in the sense of like it's crappy and a lot of times it's a euphemism for crappy comics is it's indie <laughs> but this is like truly a good uh piece of work um and so that's the part i enjoy i enjoy finding people like and you know tom was a friend of mine and he's handing me scripts and i'm like yeah whatever because you know what's the chance that you're one of your closest friends is gonna be a good writer so i'm like okay i mean his film was good and then I actually took the time six months later after you s- submitted the first uh, copy and I read it. I'm like, holy crap, this is really good. <laughs> and then I got really excited and then started chasing him down. I was actually out of town when Phil sent me the, the script for Killbox. Um, and I, I was I was like at my parents for a reunion and, and Phil sent me all these pitches and he's like, okay, so we'll go through these and, and you know, see which one you like the best. And and some of them were just were just terrible. Like there's this really awful, like, cliche haunted house bullshit thing. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on you? <laughs> it's okay. It's fun. Um, this, is com- this is a comic book blog. You can you can be naked if you want. Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Family friendly and um, For comics. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are a lot of terrible things. And then I... I I brought up Killbox, and I, it was, it's so, what I love so much about it is that it, the script is so dense, like, like, it's, it's, you know, upon first glance, you can be like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a killing game that's been done before, but, the, but in Killbox, there's so much going on, 
and there's so many perspectives and so, and so many little side stories that it's just it, you just get absorbed in it. And I and I was just like, this is awesome. We're doing this one. Yeah. So really, just just to interject, um, I actually hadn't read it since she read it, and then she told me to read it, <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's the problem. So. Yeah, you know, such is the life of a publisher. But 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 the thing is, she said, "You you really have to read this." And I'm like, "Really, little old Tommy? All right." And then yeah. it was it was good. So that's my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, familiarity breeds a lot of contempt. So. <laughs> so now, Tom, for the people listening that don't know or haven't heard of Killbox, why don't you give us a, a rundown of what it's about? Okay, so basically Killbox is, say, near off future. Actually, it could be going on right now. Um, when I describe the story, I always say that if I found out this was going on uh, at present, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. So essentially what it is is it's four miles by four miles. That is your Killbox, and it's superimposed over any place on the planet. This uh, incarnation of it happens to take place in Los Angeles. Um, now all the contestants are, cl- are uh, carefully vetted, um, and they all have their own reasons for being there. Um, our hero of issue one is uh, Timothy Choir, essentially, and his uh, his kid has got leukemia, and he can't afford the treatments, and that's why he's entered the kill box. Um, the rules are fairly simple. There's set times that you're allowed to hunt your uh, competition. Um, everybody in there is voluntary. It's a big secret. It's not on television. It's not American Idol. It's not Survivor. It's um, if you violate the trust of the people running uh, the kill box, you'll immediately be executed. So um, it basically it boils down to last man standing or last woman standing. There are men and women competing inside the kill box. Yeah, this no. is like like Detroit's Got Talent, you know. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Detroit. <laughs> so we were fortunate enough uh, to be able to read the first two issues um, of Killbox, and I have to say, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was very well done. Um, when me and Tom were emailing back and forth, one of the things that I had said to him was, you know, this is. The, the idea behind a, ki- a killing game, obviously, is it's been done a bunch over the years in movies and comics, but his approach to it is very different, uh, which I appreciate and is refreshing when reading it. It's not your standard killing game. It's not the Hunger Games, okay? This is very different. Um, and it's something that I really enjoyed. And Tom, you even wrote a letter, I guess you could say, at the, at the end of it, uh, the first issue, kind of explaining... This is my thought process, and and so and just even you recognizing that and saying this, I I was blown away by that. I thought it was really really cool in the way that you did it. Um, the art in it, like you said, Nathan Gooden, the art is fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, it was very well done. And you guys, we actually just had Derek Robertson on the show uh, last week, I believe it was, and he did the variant cover for issue number one. Um, and yep. we kind of got to talk to him a little bit about that because we were aware when we interviewed him that he had did that so and whatnot as well. Um, so overall, Killbox folks, go check it out. It's a very, very, very uh, well done comic. Uh, one of the interesting things about it is that it's all done in black and white. There's really no color to it. And Tom, I think you we kind of discussed a little bit and you said that was definitely something that you guys were kind of tinkering around with. So can you kind of give us some backstory on why you guys opted for the black and white versus the color? 
Yeah. Um, well, the, the the final decision on that was uh, Phil and Holly overrode me. Um, with Nathan's earlier stuff, I was I was I was actually going for a noir wash that had more color to it. And uh, they said, uh, you know what, Tom, this is your first book, and we're just going to not smile. We're going to make believe you know what you're talking about and be polite <laughs> to you. We're doing it our way. And uh, it turned out great. Um, it turned, it, it, I mean, everything that's happened with the book is beyond what I could have imagined. Uh, like, Holly's, again, saved the world. She came in with Nathan Gooden out of nowhere. I started looking at his earlier books and he had done a bunch of pastel washes. And I think I fell in love with the look of his earlier stuff finished and what it was leaning towards color. And uh, the more experienced too in the group just kind of sat me down and said, no, no, black and white. You have to maintain the grittiness of, uh, of the world because, you know, Killbox is far from a comedy. It is very film noir in it and in, in the way I think of it. It's a it's a very small, dense world that is about to actually grow exponentially in the in the further issues that are, are to come. But well, if, um, I, if I could just interject, I mean she may. Yeah, I mean it, it's Tom's correct in, in, in the in the chronology, but it wasn't you know, we don't really know actually when we when he said let's do color, I wasn't objecting to the color. Um but you kind of get a sense when artwork comes in. And the first thing that I noticed about Nathan Gooden, so originally when I saw his work, it was he did something called, I want to say Dixie Chicks, but it wasn't Dixie Vixens. And well, it was kind of like this Dixie Chicks. It was uh, very, you know, it's watercolor uh, pastels. It was it was very well done. And, and, and uh, it was kind of, a you know, kind of a. a I don't even know what kind of story I would say it is. It was very interesting. And then he did um, a, a Western, uh, which was very gritty. Um, and so I had asked him, I said, you know, I'm not really looking for, I mean, your art is wonderful. I'm looking for that mood. Can you do, can you do this story? And he looked at it and he said, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think he's from, I want to say Bro- Brooklyn or the Bronx. I mean, he's, he's from the East Coast and he he's not uh, a stranger to um uh, urban living. And so he said, no, I'll give you something. I'll give you something just like the story. And he hands me this graffiti style art. He would often pick the most un, uh, unappealing, uncomplimentary pose. Uh, he would take beautiful people and put them in the most awkward poses. Not, not awkward in a sense like their body wouldn't move like that, but you know, it's it's the scene where the butt's a little too big and the shoulders are a little too narrow because of the way they're twisting. And, and it felt very natural. It felt incredibly ugly and beautiful at the same time because everything was in motion. It was like a Frazetta painting, but done in 2016. And so I was blown away. I said, holy crap, this is what you can do? I don't even know if experienced artists could do what he did because... You know, when when I read Tom's script, even after Holly uh, polished through it, I said this this reads more like a screenplay. Like it's so chunk full of things. Like you can't possibly do this in panels. And, but but he was doing it. He was literally moving through it, and his his conventions of you know bleeding lines all the time from one scene to the next. His just his 
camera work. I, I, I've never seen well, anything think, like that, honestly. Sorry, if I could interject. I think this is a really um, good example of when the art dictated what it needed, which was black and white. I mean, I, I, Tom, I know you're like, oh, yeah, we came up to you and we we're like, no, black and white. But really, <laughs> Phil and I debated about this so much we were like eh, but you know but people don't buy books unless they're in color and you know and then they you know and it was it was a it was really it was a really hard decision for us but well i, I mean i mean at the end it really wasn't that hard because we had gone through five art uh, five colorists that tested yeah. and each time they came so the struggle was in between do we even move forward and so we would have also, you know color Ethan gave us a test a color test and a gray wash test and we just and said, this is not, let's he just... Went back, let's, he came back with this and he was like, yeah, no, you're right. Black and white is the way to go. Yeah. So really, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, it was hard because we were just beating each other over the head with a stick. But in the end, the art dictated the the final outcome. And it was funny because even after we decided to do black and white, I had just come back from Comics Pro uh, meeting, which is the annual uh, comic buyers um, uh, thing. And... And everybody we talked, well, not everybody, but a lot of people we talked to, they're like, this is going to be in color, right? This is beautiful, but it's going to be in color, right? And it scared the crap out of me as a publisher. I'm like, I want to sell more books. Put some color on there, you know? And then but when we came back, I'm like, you always have to be open to the marketplace. But in the end, um, yeah, you just have to you have to stay strong in, in how you think it what, – what is the best for the story? So we, we decided to go black and white and um, – well, gray wash, gray wash. At, at first, we wanted to. I, I, we were considering doing it even raw or without even a gray wash, just the plain old inks because they're gorgeous. Yeah, I gotta say, normally for me, I'm I'm a big fan of of color and stuff. Um, but you're right, for this book, it works very well without color. I think if there's color added on, it might take away, like you said, some of that grittiness and stuff. So I'm actually a big fan of your guys' decision. I thought it was very well done, and that's okay. you know that's coming from someone that normally prefers color. So the same with me. I I'm. Sometimes the color of a comic will make or break it for me. But with this, it was really cool, and it fit the tone really well. And um, just going through it, I was just like, wow. And it really makes the line work and everything, the inking, everything pop with yeah. just the gray. Nathan's freaking amazing. Uh, I mean, the guy's amazing. Uh, yeah. It was the honest thing for me to receive instructions from Phil to tell me to give him notes. You know, <laughs> I've received these pages that I could never do, not in a, not in a million years. And I didn't want to tell them to change anything. Um, but, you know, Nathan and I worked pretty well together. We just began talking uh, as the process was going on. So it wasn't a matter of me receiving the pages and then sending them emails back saying, well, I'd like you to address this, that, and the other thing. Um, as questions that arose. Was after after about halfway through the first issue, though, he just started uh, emailing me direct or texting me direct um, while he was working on the panels and saying, hey, I got a question about this. What do, you, what do you think if I do this, that, and the other thing? And I think that really cut down on the congestion, so to speak, of, uh, of having to go back and forth at the end of each, you know, four-page sequence that came in. Um, and... For the most part, I, I didn't feel I needed to give much in the way of, of notes to Nathan. Yeah, yeah, I really didn't feel that way. Same, same to be said for uh, for Holly. She was really good at, um, so, I don't know, reading my mind or understanding where I was trying to take the story and how to rearrange certain scenes so they would work better for comics. 
Um, you know, Phil said earlier that it read like screenplay. And that was a big adjustment for me personally. It was moving from screenplay format, and short story and novelette format into the comic book format, which is, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty difficult for the first issue or two to, to push through that new format. Um, I was familiar with it, but I wasn't, wasn't fluent. I guess that'd be the best way. I was I was influenced. I had a hard time getting into a groove writing that way for the first for the first issue or so. Um, and uh, yeah, she was great at you know walking me down walking me down that slippery slope, and making sure I didn't fall for the duration of the book. Actually, so thank you, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> so now is this. I guess is is this going to be an ongoing series? Is this amazing? Because I mean, obviously, with the Killbox, you can create you know different volumes. I guess you could say of you know different locations and whatnot. So, how far out do you have this planned? I guess can you tell us? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a. I mean, I'll jump in. It's an ongoing. <laughs> it's going to be an ongoing series. the The hope is that this will become a TV series or oh, some kind okay. of serialized. Okay. Yeah, um, everything that we write, uh, if you read it. Have you read some of the other books? I have not. I've actually the first I've ever read from American Gothic Press was Tom's work. Um, I was not very familiar with it prior to, um, mm-hmm. and then I started flipping through some of Monster World, not famous mm-hmm. monsters. <laughs> I started flipping right, through Monster right. World, and uh, I'm I'm actually going to pick some of those up here later this evening on Comicsology. Um, oh, cool, it, it, cool. I'm I'm a big fan of monsters and horror and supernatural and that kind of stuff like those are my favorite kinds of comics personally um so yeah really and, and, and and that's kind of yeah and that's kind of the where we live i mean we don't do you know superheroes not that we wouldn't uh but it wouldn't ever be from the point of view of at least not in traditional ways right, right. we would like like if superheroes were coming into our publication it would be from you know a point of view of horror like you know or 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 supernatural, or some kind of paranormal, or or whatnot, or monster-based. So, um, but, but the reason why I ask is because everything that we write and everything that we put together is really um, kind of the viewpoint of of cinema uh, or television. So, for Killbox, we're writing it in four um, four to six issue arcs. Each arc is, you know, what would be an episode. Uh, each arc would be what would be um, you know, a completed film. So uh, as far as Killbox, yes, it would, we're going to go through all the terrible cities around the country and around the world. And um, one of the ideas is, is that, um, you know, because obviously uh, Tim is, is now on the run. Is he on the run by issue two? Not yet. Not yet. No, no, not yet. I just read issue two earlier. All right, well, don't spoil it. So, so the point is, is that there's a thread... Our, our protagonists uh, kind of break the 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 tradition, and uh, they're on the run. So uh, they end. Well, up... I just like to say that I mean, we Tom has sent us the next arc, and it's it's brilliant, absolutely in the way that it doesn't rehash. You know, like a lot of a lot of sequels and and continuations make the mistake of it's like, oh, it worked before this way, so we're just going to do the exact same thing. And it's like, well, okay, I you know whatever, I respect that. But, but this really doesn't like it, you're in a totally different situation. The killbox is in, is in a totally different place. Not only that, but like the people who run the killbox are in a different position. 
and the whole thing is just it's like it's just twisted and it's it's amazing i i like the second arc even better than the first arc which is not something i can say for a lot of comic books awesome so but guaranteed the third arc will suck. It'll just drop off. No. I've already got but, issue nine written. So. Okay, well, there you go. No, so basically how the story will probably end up going is there, um, you know, we, we visit, each arc visits uh, a new kill box, but then it kind of culminates into uh, a super challenge um, at the end. Um, and not in so much of a way of like, you know, Assassin's Creed or kind of video game, but it, it'll it'll uh, culminate into you know. It, um, I don't want to say too much because if you read issue three and then especially four at the end, you'll you'll realize it kind of really goes into a much broader and and larger world. And so yeah, that's uh, part of what I love about it so much is you read you read the first two issues and you're like, okay, killing game, yeah, yeah, this is awesome. This is uber violent and intense and urban. And then you get to that point in issue three and you're like, whoa. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. It's interesting because you know we've already been in some uh, pitch meetings with producers on this, um, and they they're like, we don't know how to take this really big on the television screen. Can you keep it small? Can you just so it's it's interesting because you know what people want in television. I, I shouldn't say small. They they wanted more uh, rudimentary. They they don't want it like sprawling. Um, so what's interesting is is what works in comic books don't often work in um on television so like if you look at I guess, let me ask you guys a question um the walking dead did you guys like it as a comic before it became a book or before it became a tv show i mean yep yeah you did <laughs> nova For, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, how about yeah. you uh no i wasn't really that big into it prior to the show honestly um i saw the show and then slowly got into it from there yeah, I mean, the reason I mention that is because I, it, I think it's a perfect example. I mean, some people can visualize it, I think, you know, beyond the pages so it works for them. But, you know, there's just a lot of word bubbles. I mean, it's like there's so much talking in Walking Dead comics. Like, I, I just couldn't get into it. I, I thought, I mean, not that I thought it was a piece of crap or anything. I'm just like, well, it's just not for me. And it's like, it's like watching Guiding uh, or Days of Our Lives or As the World Turns. Like, so much talking. And that's what that, that's not what I think comic books are. But that translated perfectly into television series, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and other things, other comics you look at and you're like, well, how do you make this into a TV show or even a movie? Because it's so out there. Um, so so, but that's what we're trying to kind of, I guess, find the balance is how do we make this feel cinematic or serialized television? every time you open the pages of the book. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's not like there's no formula for it, really. It, you just, you're, you're, you're watching what other people do that work, and, and, and then you try to do better than they, they do. So, so I get, the main character in the book is Tim, right? Yes. Can you tell us about the character? It's, it's, there's basically three. It, 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 as, it, as it flushes its way out, okay. you have kind of a trinity, so to speak. You know? well, tell and us a he, little bit about the characters, then, yeah. Okay, so you got uh, Tim Quire. Uh, Tim Quire's me. He's he's you. He's just a guy. Um, he's not a superhero. He doesn't have some special skill set. He's a guy in his uh, late thirties, early forties. He's an ex bartender, and his kid gets sick, and he doesn't have the money. And um, you know, it's leukemia, so it's it's not like uh, one of these diseases that you can treat if you 
you know, it is what it is. I mean, healthcare is is extraordinarily expensive, and uh, you know, ten million ten million dollars means you're going to be healthy, and uh, you know, thirty grand a year means you're going to have a hard time staying around. So, I mean, that's his entire motivation, and um, I try to make him exactly that, just a guy who has normal motivations, same argument on the phone with his wife that he would have whether he was in the kill box or not. But, um, you know, it was, it was my primary thing is to keep him grounded because such an, and, and the surroundings are such a fantastic idea and, you know, so alien. I think it's important that your, your main character or your, or your focal point for your story is exactly that. Um, is just a normal guy. Um, so I tried very, very hard to do that and uh, try to make him conflicted about the things that he's doing as well. Uh, you know, simple things like he helps the, the heroin addict in the hallway, stuff like that. So he's not he's not in there because he wants to go on a kill crazy rampage. You know, he's he's in there because he has a specific motive. He doesn't feel guilt about it. You know, so he's not he's not a perfect saint walking around. Oh, woe is me. But, uh, you know, I tried to make him just just like myself, just like uh, another person on the street. Um, Sasha falls into more of the uh, the millennial range. You know, she's a competitive shooter. Um, I work for a company that does primarily military advising. That's my 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 bread and butter, so to speak. That's my day job. It's all for film and television, and I fake firefights, and I couldn't be happier. But, um, you know, the guys I work with, we always watching YouTube videos of different gun rat sort of things, you know. And uh, we've stumbled across these, these range videos of uh, there's Team Glock as a competitive shooter team. And we're watching a lot of their, their younger competitors which are like 19-year-old girls that are like these little tiger beat teen girls, but they're tank, 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 tank. They're, they're lethal, you know? It's amazing. You're watching them, and they're lethal. Um, but the joke that we always had is, well, they have no tactics because none of them are former military, and if they actually were in a firefight, cut to kill box. That was kind of the idea there. Is she just thinks it's going to be like a video game, and... You know, she's very self-involved in that in that regard. Not necessarily a bad person, but she's self-involved. And the long and short of her character, she finds out in a big hurry that it's not all fun and games when she gets into the kill box. Um, you know, and she's got a lot of growing up to do. But she is also very lethal. You know, she does have the skill set. She's great with a pistol. You know, she's just finding out in a hurry that combat's not... Combat isn't game, game of... Uh, God, get one and say Game of Thrones, photo. <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah, it's not Call of Duty. That's just not the way it is. And nobody's running around naked in this TV book, no. so it's all good. It's yeah, Game no. of Thrones. <clears throat> and then Emmy is your basic, uh, I mean, she's there out of a pure sense of honor. Um, which Emmy is issue two, right? You guys just got yes. introduced. Yep, yep, yep. No. yep. So she's there out of a pure sense of honor, and her and herself, I mean, she's bad circumstances. Her her husband is dead. You know, she's left with nothing. And she enters the kill box not only for the money, but because she's also carrying around guilt and things that are associated with the fact that she's 
deeply and rooted in organized crime. So she's more of a complicated character as where I tried to keep Tim, you and me, and every guy on the street. I wanted to make Emmy more of a layered and like deeply complicated character that you could get behind. And Erwin's Erwin. You know, Erwin has got Erwin's got some issues. Erwin's um, just a psychopath. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if he's just a psychopath. I mean I, yeah. no, I know. He's he's yeah. he's he's he, he feels he came off as kinda crazy. Yes, he's he's definitely insane, but he believes. Well, that. isn't this well? The, the last Lex Luthor said those are words spoken by what did he say? <laughs> like, like basically stupid people, right? He's like, because I'm a genius. Isn't that what Lex Luthor said in Spider uh, in uh, Batman versus Superman? I didn't see it intentionally. Oh yeah, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm oh. a terrible person. <laughs> I've been to the theater since. It was it was literally the only line that. I it's it's the only part of the movie that was any good. He, he said she was like you're crazy. And he goes, you're insane. And she, he said three words spoken by. Basically, he was saying you know people who are who have too small of a mind to understand um, what genius is. Basically, yes. Those are your those are your basic characters, and you have Leonard who runs the game. Um, Leonard's character seems pretty straightforward at this point uh, in your first two issues, but he definitely becomes more complicated and more layered as we push forward. Um, right now, he's just a showrunner. He calls the shots, and he's not to be questioned, yada, yada, yada. He seems like, at, at this point in the story, I think I intentionally kept Leonard pretty straightforward. I was going to say, now where can people pick up Killbox at? Um, is it available in all comic shops? Is it special order? I know, I think it's on, is it on Comixology? Yeah, it is. It is, yeah, it is on, on Comixology. Um, we were fortunate enough to sell out on the Diamond level. I saw so, that on Twitter, uh, so congratulations. Wow. So, um, yeah, and did, Phil, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, where, the state of the warehouse is as far as copies that Captain Co. go. We got. I think we got. We couldn't fill the last um, uh, diamond. Um, yeah, we. I, I think we have like thirty copies left. <laughs> so. Okay, so you can get it in Comicsology essentially. An issue two. I mean, if you just if you X your uh, or issue two and three going on, if you X your your local shop to just add it to your pull list, uh, it'll show up. You know, it's just got to be part of the diamond order in advance. That's yep. more of a fill question, but that's how <laughs> I'm getting my books. I say, hey, Warren, I'm going to go to Galaxy Comics. You know, I'm there every Wednesday anyway. So I'm like, make I sure keep you clamoring. I keep clamoring for a second printing, but, you know. <laughs> That'll never happen, Oliver. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> will never happen, Oliver. No, um, well, part of it is because, you know, people are paying... It's cool to see a completely unknown writer with a completely unknown artist with a new imprint that's not even a year old to have a book like this uh, sell out. And uh, I want I want the people who invested in this book to feel like they can trust us. So I, you know, I may only have 30 copies, but I hope these books go to. 500 bucks. I, I hope people make money on the secondary market and, and, and I hope they can trust that, you know, that's the kind of company that we are. So now is there plans for collected editions in the future? Uh, yeah, of course. Yes. Paperbacks? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Nova's it'll, a be, big... it'll be it'll be mostly uh, uh, child photos of Tom Reardon, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be sandbox instead of killbox. Oh, exactly. Sandbox. <laughs> a lot of spanky photos. A lot of because I'm sure Tom got spanked when he was younger. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that Irish Catholic. I got beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, tell about the variants, Phil. Tell about the variants. Yeah. What can you tell us? Oh, about uh, well. We only wanted to do the variant for issue one because Derek Robertson was going to do it, and and he's really busy, so he wasn't going to do. Normally, we get one artist to do all four variants of, of a miniseries, but uh, he did one, and then uh, he moved on, and uh, and so, but Diamond, uh, I guess because the orders were so good, they just said there was a variant for issue two, and a bunch of people bought issue two based on the fact that yeah. there was a variant. They're like, there's an incentive. We need this incentive. We need something that's incentive. I'm sorry. Right. So, so I get a I get an email or a call actually from Diamond. Maybe an email or call. Anyways, uh, they're like, well, where's where's the where's the incentive? I'm like, well, what incentive? Well, the incentive. And I said, how can you solicit an incentive when I didn't give you? And and there was some confusion. I guess. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I I still don't know what happened, but apparently there was some miscommunication on our part too and so it wasn't completely on them and i'm like oh so i'm calling yeah i'm calling my friend um uh rob Pryor, who is uh he's an incredible artist he does he does like this kind of gouache it's not water painting but he does this kind of like you know you you started seeing a lot like a lot of bleed over uh there's a lot of runs in the in the cover and he does this and he is the official disney uh theme park um artist that does a lot of their posters he did he was the one who, who was hired by lucasfilms to do uh like the uh launch party poster so he's, he's a very very um you know well-known and decent artist and um so i'm calling him and i'm like hey it's comic book rates so it's well below what you get paid for you got one week no four days i <laughs> you have four days and uh can you can you do something original and they got to look like this, but you know, I want them to look human because he does very uh, photorealistic stuff. So um, he uh, he paused. Yeah, he paused and he's like, "Sure," <laughs> and then he goes back and he 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 craps out this amazing cover. And I was like, "Oh, it's better than when I give you more time." So from now on, I told him I'm just going to give him four days. That's it. <laughs> but it is a very very uh, amazing cover and. Uh, for for issue three and four, there will not be any variants because we corrected that. But uh, for issue two, there is, uh, yeah, it's it's a really good piece of work. So, awesome. now I want I wanted to ask, uh, what kind of comics did you guys read growing up, or wh- what are you reading now, for that matter, if you are? Uh, me, well, I, 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 all, all three of, you. of you. Whoever wants to jump in first, yeah, round table. Um, <laughs> I uh, let's see, what do I? What do I like? You know, I, I, I like manga a lot, <laughs> which, cool. yeah, which, well, which is funny because I don't, to be fair, I haven't read much in a while because I've been so busy publishing. But when I did read, I, I, I liked manga. Strangely enough, I don't want to produce manga, though. It, I just, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, right? People like, I don't. Is it is is it just me? Or, I, I mean, there are things that I love to produce, and then there are things I love to consume, and you know, they're those are not. They're totally different things. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Happens. So, yeah, like like for instance, 
when when I was filming uh, my you know my my two films, there were specific archetypes and uh, physicalities that I wanted in in my lead actresses or the women that I I would cast, but they were no, nobody that I would ever date because it's very very clear what they should look like in my mind and i would write you know fairly unpleasant people and so i you know maybe it's cathartic from like all the girls that i didn't like in high school that's why i was casting <laughs> but but the point is like i it's it's a it's a it's it's a more it's, it's a different thing than you know somebody that i would that's why it's always i always laugh because you see a lot of like young fledgling actresses. They they date like producer friends of mine, and and you know they think they're gonna get somewhere by dating this guy. And I'm like, he's not looking for you. He's looking for somebody else on the screen. Like you're never gonna get a job doing. So you know it's like from the inside you look at it and you're like, it's not it's not gonna get them anywhere, right? But anyway, I digress. But it's it's so I like manga. I would never produce manga. Okay. I also love manga. Funny that, but my first, my first, uh, my first exposure to comics was um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Eastman and Laird, cool. Eastman and Laird, yeah, I was, I was all about it. I still have my, I still have my Ninja Turtles charter membership card from 1988 that says Mirage Studios. I just, oh, I just gave away my age. Oh God, what have I done? Um, so yeah, first it was Ninja Turtles, then. then uh, my dad, I got sick when I was 12, and my dad brought me uh, brought me some superhero comics to read. And I read, there was one issue of Thor and one issue of Hulk and one issue of Spider-Man, X-Men that I read about 50 times each. And yeah, then I just got into weird indie stuff. Uh, I was always into ElfQuest a lot. And yeah, I, I also like manga. I'm, Phil and I have that in common. It's what I think, th- a lot of what I like about manga is the um, the way that they don't, tend to adhere to traditional panel structures the way that uh, a mangaka could in order to you know to indicate like a really sudden something really sudden or like this this speed across a page they'll just have these little itty bitty like diagonal slashes like just just going all the way across which which is really effective and it's not something you see in american comics a lot so it's um it's pretty experimental and i enjoy it a lot very cool I just really like it how, like, the beautiful women, when they lose their composure, they kind of turn into more of a Pokemon-style character, you know. <laughs> their, their eyes all get, you know. It's, it's very expressive in a very simple sort of way. It's, it's, it's kind of brilliant. But, yeah, I mean, you gotta you got to like that if you like that. <laughs> uh, I grew up a uh, pretty standard issue. I grew up with, uh, I'd say, Ghost Rider, Daredevil by far is my favorite. <clears throat> um I'm still reading Daredevil. Um, part of me loves the Netflix Daredevils, but part of me hates it because all of a sudden, like I'm on, I'm on a mission to get one through a million. However long they go, I'm going to get every Daredevil. So we need people to buy a lot of Killbox. Okay? We, need to buy, <laughs> we need to sell a lot of Killbox for Tom to do this. It's, it's a Kickstarter. Hunt, Phil. It's about the hunt. It's about going to your shop and going through and saying, oh, I don't have 36. But the problem with that nowadays is that uh, there's no Daredevils in the dollar box anymore because of Netflix. Everything's five bucks. Everything. It's a terrible yeah. condition. It's missing the back cover. It's still five bucks in the back of <laughs> Uh, my current poll is Daredevil. Uh, 
Daredevil. I like the new the new Mockingbird. I'm liking that a lot. Um, it's kind of it's kind of trippy. I just picked up the new Civil War two. I'm not exactly sold on it, but I'm not turned off on it yet. Um, Mighty Thor. I really liked Huck when it was out. I don't know if any, any of you guys read that series. Huck. Yeah. It was the yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And uh, Old Man in general. Yeah, Old Man Logan. I'm really digging. I'm I'm liking the feel of that book. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm loving the way that it's colored. And the new Daredevil. I'm liking the the. the this new story or, or a revisiting of, uh, I guess it's a revisiting of, of Frank Miller's story arc, really, you know, because the hand showed up and now Electra's back in the mix. And so, it, I mean, I'm really digging that. I'm digging the new arc of Daredevil as well. So. Very cool. And all American Gothic press well. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I was so. just waiting. I was just waiting. I was counting. But I <laughs> so, so to kind he, of... he had an email written. So to kind of wrap things up and, and whatnot tonight, real quick, for those that are not uh, familiar with American Gothic Press, because like you said, it is under a year old, and you guys are you know pumping out a lot of content. It seems. What are some other titles that out there? If anybody's interested, that they can go check out. You know, feel free to to promote American Gothic Press right now. You know, what other titles can people go out and read? Uh, there's there's a ton. Um, so we have Gunsuits, which is an ongoing series. It's um, it was adapted from a short story I wrote in 2010 called Wormhole. Basically, it's yeah, you know, Pacific Rim came out and did a portion of that. But um, years ago, when I was like 12, I um, I uh, kind of looked. I, I heard like Carl Sagan or somebody say like, you know, by the time you look at the twinkle in the sky, the star is probably dead. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is like. But so then I thought, so this is kind of like a repository of time. And so uh, I kind of saw the universe as per- perhaps not a three-dimensional place that you would visit, but maybe a butterfly effect variation of time. So every everything that you see up there is a possibility of a variant of a world that we could have had if we walked out of the you know house ten minutes later versus ten minutes earlier, and all that effect. So so what wormhole was is you know we. Uh, Earth is in a dystopic future. Uh, we're running out of resources. They're trying to create something that will jump space. And so they rip a hole in time. And when they did that, they invite an evolutionary um, variation of us that didn't uh, that didn't develop so friendly. They uh, not that we're friendly, but they they literally started experimenting with flesh and tissue when we were experimenting with, uh, you know, stone and dirt. And so they were far more biologically advanced. And initially you look at them and you don't think that you think they're aliens coming through, but then you realize that they were a, a version of man. And so that's a really interesting series. Um, and, yeah. We have a new one shot of gun suits coming out in July. That is a, actually an adaptation of wormhole, which is, which is really, it's called gun suits, Alex. And we're really excited about it. Dennis Calero did the art for it. And he's 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 he he gave us this sort of crazy like photographic almost National Geographic kind of style for the for the art, yeah. <laughs> which makes it really look like a like a like a historical documentary, except there are these tentacle monsters. So it's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really it's, it's really cool. I'm really excited so, about. That. So then we've got that, and then we've got uh, Born Home, which is actually one of my favorite stories. Um, it's I a love sleepy Born Home. It's, yeah, it's, but it's so hard to describe. I think is the problem. There's so much. Yeah, well, 
basically what Born Home is, is it's the year 35 of 35, like the song, I guess. Um, and, uh, and, you know, kind of Earth has colonized the known world, the known galaxy, and, and now it's kind of reached the edge of, you know, whatever our bounds are in the tip of the Milky Way. And uh, now there's a resource war and the whole galaxy has collapsed into piracy and, 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 and factionalization. And, and it, everybody's looking for this thing called Terracor, which basically um, it's a living mineral that once, uh, once catalyzed, it will terraform a whole planet, moons, anything. And now that that's in short supply, these planets that were terraformed, uh, that you know, they, they were not one molar size, and so they they were you know by by one they were not by a one molar mass sun, so they couldn't sustain life without a constant injection of this. So planets are dying. Whole civilizations that have artificially been you know created are dying, and uh, in the end, uh, so our 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 Han Solo esque hero, who's always been very selfish. He has the key to save one planet and bring it permanently back to life, and so um, so you'll have to read it to see what, what happens to it. But it's it's a very kind of uh, more thoughtful, meaningful. Um, what is it to be a human being? So um, you're saying it's like a really great Doctor Who episode. Yeah. yeah. So like a very meaningful Doctor Who episode yeah. without the weird science that does, never makes sense. But um, and then you've got uh, Broken Moon, which is Steve Niles. It's just a Road Warrior meets classic monsters. So then you got Monster World, which is uh, uh, you know I always thought to myself, well, what does Casa, what what would what would Casablanca look like if if uh, Humphrey Bogart's character moved on to, you know, and it ran across uh, Universal monsters and they were real. So it's this noir detective who uh, finds that you know. Uh, not every case is worth taking, no matter how much money you get paid. Uh, but then he it, it falls into uh, a bit of lore of it's like Dungeons and Dragons meets uh, Casablanca meets Universal Monsters. I mean, it's a really cool story. Uh, the art is with Peter Kowalski, and it's just fantastic. And of course, we have Lost in Space, and um, that's going it's been so much fun. I yeah, love it's it. really, really well. And and right now we've got probably another four or five stories in the wings and we have an anthology for Forrest J. Ackerman's Centennial yes. Birthday. Let's, so. let's, 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 let's plug that, please. Um, yeah, yeah. This year is a uh, famous monsters founder, Forrest J. Ackerman. Um, his, what would have been his hundredth birthday. And a lot of people don't know about Forrest J. Ackerman is that um, he's basically the godfather of nerd culture. He was, he was the first cosplayer ever when he went to the science fiction fair in 1939, you know, dressed as, as a spaceman. He was, you know, he was a literary agent to a bunch of amazing science fiction uh, writers like Bradbury and, you know, people like that. He was, he, he, he was at the very first Comic-Con. He fostered, like, you know, this, this community within weird people who liked weird stuff, in addition to editing Famous Monsters, which was a haven for a lot of people who, a lot of filmmakers, really, who, who didn't... Um, who didn't feel like they fit in with mainstream interests. Um, and this year would have been his 100th birthday. And to honor him, we're putting together a big anthology of graphic stories, um, graphic short stories, really. They're, they're comics. Um, a, a few of them are prose with illustrations, but they're basically all imaginative science fiction and horror stories that Forey would have been proud of. 
And to wrap it all up, we uh, we have a as a company we have a relationship now with History A and E, and we are doing um, three conventions a year for the History Channel based on. Uh, it's called Alien Con, and it's all based on science fiction. Uh, no horror, strangely enough, um, but all science fiction. You know, anything from Farscape to Star Wars to Doctor Who to uh, anything that had aliens or space travel. That's our. Um, so it's really to also honor ancient aliens. So um, where are you guys at, basically? Where are we located? Yeah, yeah. I am in Omaha, Nebraska. Ah. Uh, I'm in uh, Denton, Texas. It's right outside of Dallas. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm in Toronto, up in Canada. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yep. All right, cool. Well, you guys are, well, there's going to be one in every part of the country. Well, there's one in the East Coast, one in the West Coast, and one in uh, the Midwest South. So, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can make it to one of those fun of these. Yeah, no, it sounds like a lot of sounds fun. Sounds like it would be a good time, yeah. Yeah, you guys can podcast out of there. We'll treat you well as our guest. So. Awesome. Do you guys know, do you well, have any dates or anything for those upcoming? Yeah, yeah, the first well, one well, yeah, is... Yeah, the first one is going to be in uh, October of this year, but that, that one's in Silicon Valley in California, so... Okay. We have, uh, we have lots of big guests coming out, and uh, it's the pre-sale numbers are... Uh, it's, it's broken all of our records. <laughs> so oh, wow. it's well, it's also because History Channel's like advertising this daily uh, throughout, you know, to 33 million people. So you're going to get some some good feedback. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Tom, congratulations on Killbox. It sounds like it's doing fantastic. Um, hopefully, you know that that trend continues. I definitely want to read more. Uh, so I'm very excited for you. And to you know. Phil and uh, you know Holly with your guys with American Gothic Press and Famous Monsters sounds like you guys are doing a lot of real big stuff and congratulations to you guys as well. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's very exciting. Yeah, hopefully we can have you guys back on in the future and we can we can discuss some more and have some more updates. Uh, absolutely, call tell, let us know anytime. Oh, fantastic! Yep. Awesome. Thank you for having us. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, thank Absolutely. you. It's th great. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. All right, everyone. It's that time of the show where each one of us dip into our short box, pull out a bag, and open up a comic that we own to review it. So, I'll go first, since I'm already talking. <laughs> oh, nice little story by Mark Miller. I think we all know who Mark Miller is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, of course, Image Comics, I brought out from September of 2010, Wanted. Have any of you read Wanted? I have not. I've seen the movie. I have not. No. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a movie. There was a movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it's got Angelina uh, Jolie in it, if I remember correctly. And that's you probably, see, you that's see why her bum. That's why I haven't watched it then. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Hating on the Jolie. I, 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 I just don't care for her. I don't think she's a good actress at all. I think she gets her roles because of looks alone, and that's it. Gone but, 60 uh, Seconds was good. I haven't seen that one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's 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 got her in it, so you know. So somebody I don't like, I don't watch it. But uh, you know, our story basically is you got this guy Wesley, 
you know, he basically lives a dull, mundane life when his girlfriend is cheating on him with every person that she can. He hates his job. He's just abused uh, mentally by his co-workers. And he was basically orphaned by his father when he was 18 months old. Mother raised him until she had died of cancer. And the story then takes place with a gentleman, as we learn to find out later, it's his father. And his father uh, gets shot. He happened to be, at the one time, the world's greatest assassin. And it brought a whole, you know, upset to all of the villains because he was wealthy. He was good at his job. Who killed him? And so he had a big heir to his fortune that needed to go out, and they decided to pull in his son and basically give him uh, the money only if he can uh, maintain for, I forget what it is, I think it was like six weeks or something like that in the storyline that he basically gets his life together and becomes a man, basically. Stop being a hypochondriac of diseases and illnesses and grow up, basically. If he can do this, and he can get his father's money. And the issue pretty much concludes with him saying, you know, I really don't have any abilities. And they hand him a gun and say, you know what, shoot these flies that are circling around me. And he does so. He shoots the wings off of them, and it basically ends from there. It was a really good read. I can't wait to pick up the next issue and see what happens with it. Awesome. And now that there's a con- now there's a- now I know there's a movie. I'm probably gonna- I-, I might have to check it out. But Angelina Jolie, that's gonna be a hard one for me. I don't know. It was a good movie for what it was. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm gonna pass the torch on over to Tap. Tap, what you got? So for mine, um, I think me and Nova kind of gonna do a a little tag team on this uh, because we're both big fans of what's going on right now with uh, DC's rebirth. So issue the first four official issues of of Rebirth drops. So you got uh, was it Action Comics or Superman? Right, Superman. Superman yep. Rebirth. So you got Superman Rebirth, Green Lantern's Rebirth. Green Arrow Rebirth and Batman uh, Rebirth, and uh, it was good. A lot of birthing. It was a lot of birthing. Uh, (laughs) Literally in Batman. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I uh, I don't know. I enjoyed them a lot, and I will say for me the surprise of the week uh, was actually Green Arrow. I'm not a big Green Arrow fan. Never really have been. Uh, but damn, Green Arrow was good. Really good. It, it surprised me. The best of the uh, week, though, I think yeah. me and Nova will both agree on this. I'll let him discuss it. But yeah, for the, my surprise of the week, I would have to say Green Arrow surprised me the most. Yeah. I think uh, Benjamin Percy, who's the writer, really nailed um, the the dialogue between uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow. I thought that was really good. That was yes. probably what kept me going uh the story actually seems pretty interesting there's sort of this court of owls-esque thing going on in star city um but yeah it it seems like it's going and there was this funny thing like LexCoin, which is like i guess the dc universe's bitcoin which i thought was really (laughs) funny um i thought that was interesting to see but the art was good um yeah the art was fantastic the 
dialogue was good and the story was pretty great. Um, let's I, let's talk about Superman next because that was sort of uh, you know you're coming from a comic book like Green Arrow, which has a lot of actual plot and a lot of story going forward, whereas Superman was sort of um, I guess closure for the new Fifty Two Superman. Say, right? Sad and depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's basically Clark Kent from pre New Fifty Two. And uh, Lana Lang just sort of, you know, talking about uh, how how the old Superman also came back from the dead, and he thinks that the new Fifty Two one's going to come back from the dead. And she's sort of, what was she doing? She was getting into his grave. Um, I don't remember why, but because you know, there's yeah, yeah, whatever her reasons were. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. There was sort of this, these really cool and well drawn action sequences by Doug Monkey doing the, um, the whole sort of. If you've never read the Death of Superman, there were these great splash pages. Very and, well done. Yeah, it, just him fighting Doomsday like he did back in uh, the Death of Superman, and just sort of talking to her, saying, you know, there was this huge battle and then I gave my all my strength in this final blow and you just see this huge page of like Superman just giving uh, Doomsday this huge uppercut. So there were some nice uh, action bits in there, but overall it was sort of closure for the new 52 Superman. Yes, it was yeah, and, interesting. Yeah. Well, I liked, I really liked what the, the panel that really got to me, I think it was on the last page is where he's yes. sort of carving Superman holding up the planet. With his mom the and dad. Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. I thought yes. that was that that was the, nice the cherry homage. on top of that issue. Yeah, uh, it was really well done. Um, and that moves on to what? What do you want to talk about next? We got Green Bat- Lantern. Let's do Batman. Batman. We'll save yeah. the best for yeah. last. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So Batman, um, bringing I don't know if I want to say bringing back, but bringing to the spotlight. Uh, I don't even know if D list is. <laughs> it seems like it's too high for him. <laughs> he's on he's like the he's like on the, the no name unknown list. Yeah. He he's like the the random goonie that gets beat up by Batman list sort of. But he's got you know thanks to the long Halloween I think in all honesty he's got some sort of well and even new fifty name. even new fifty two because he was like the reporter um for channel 52 news at the end of like every new 52 yeah. series so i think people recognize him from that as well um so we're talking about calendar man who is i guess he's changed now has he always had this uh, season thing not okay. to my knowledge that's new to me i was yeah. gonna say calendar man's one of his earlier like villains it's he's like, like a nobody he yeah. he commits crimes on days of the days? year yeah, yeah. That's like maxi zeus <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah he's just like this like random character no i don't know a ton about calendar man so maybe the seasons thing has always been part of his gimmick but to my knowledge that was new and if it is new bravo well oh, done yeah. because it definitely made the character way more interesting yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was neat. Basically what happens is, um, I think in, in summer he's normally healthy. Then in fall he starts getting older and then in winter he becomes, he basically dies. Yeah. And then in spring he's reborn. like a bird. (laughs) Yeah. And then in spring he literally crawls out of himself. Yeah. So basically a phoenix. Yeah. He's like, it's like a snake. Yeah. 
yeah, like a yeah, like a snake getting out of his old uh, his old skin layer of skin. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird, and uh, I guess it's been he sort of accelerated the rate at which it was happening. I think, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, yeah, that's what they said. It was a really gruesome scene. I was just I was slightly shocked that that happened. <laughs> they should actually show him climbing out of his own like old body. It was really like really weird, supernatural. But... Yeah, but I remember you mentioning earlier to me this week how you didn't like the whole seed aspect. Correct, because I feel like it's just a take from the end of New Fifty Two Batman, the Doctor Bloom stuff. Yeah, yeah. Doctor. Yeah, I'm just like I'm. I'm over it. Come up with something new already. And my thing is with this is that Scott Snyder helped Tom King write it. Yeah. So I'm almost like, how much of this was Scott Snyder input? How much of this was Tom King? Like, I feel like the the bloom and the seed stuff. I feel like that was definitely Snyder, and yeah, the yeah. Calendar Man molting was Tom King. So I don't know. I'm Another, excited to see what happens yeah. going forward. I'm really excited to see what they're doing with Duke, um, who's sort of like yeah. he's not even a Robin now. He's just sort of like Batman Jr. or something. I don't even know yeah. what to call him at this yeah. point. Because it will even um, say, he goes, I don't, you're not going to be, he's like, I don't want you to be a Robin or you're not going to be a something yeah. like that. And yeah. Yeah. My my one problem with the issue was it just felt really short. But when you think about it, a lot did happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he sort of takes on Calendar Man. He gets Duke training with him, all this stuff. They go, uh, it escapes me now, but they, they went on some mission where, I don't know what Batman was doing, trying to stop a turbine or something. Something like that. It was really just sort of unexplained. I guess it was just showing because it was like, Batman, you're you're out of oxygen in your tank. You can't survive. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I can do it. It's and just he goes some like sort of six like six and a half minutes without air or something like that. Yeah, just him being a complete total badass. That was basically <laughs> the point of that segment. Um, and yeah, and then it it just sort of ended with the whole Calendar Man thing. And probably something really poetic that I just didn't catch. There's probably some like, oh, he, he changes with the season, so do we. I don't like. I don't even know, but <laughs> I'm sure there is something there. It's Tom King. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, excited to see where it goes. I think they're gonna make. Yeah. A, final thoughts on this one is I think that Calendar Man is gonna become a really intriguing villain this arc, and that that excites yeah. me. Yeah, the seasons thing really adds to him being a Batman villain because he needs that sort of creep factor more so mm-hmm. than just, oh, I, I attack people on Valentine's Day. You know, <laughs> it, it's just that that sort of doesn't seem as intriguing as maybe it did in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the creme de la creme, I think, in my opinion, was Green Lanterns. Green Lanterns for sure. And honestly, going into this week, I had very high hopes that Batman was going to be my creme de la creme because I I just I love Batman, uh, yeah. so I honestly thought well this is going to be the best because as much as I love Green Lantern like I love Hal Jordan and John Stewart Green Lantern, uh, you know I didn't know how I was going to feel about new lanterns coming in. I yeah. wasn't and obviously we've seen them before Jessica Cruz she's she's was in you know the new 52 stuff Simon Baz like we've seen them before but they're they're still new yeah. they're still training um and so I wasn't and, sure how I was going to yeah. feel about this but and they're like the main green lantern title now basically Correct. Uh, I know there's Hal Jordan in the core but I think that's monthly as opposed to the biweekly yeah green lanterns but, but Jeff, I thought it was, and Jeff Johns yeah. helped write this, or did he write the whole yeah. thing? Did he help? He, write I think it? I think maybe he's scripting it, and, and Sam Humphreys, yeah, and Humphreys is doing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure it was. Together, I mean, it was 
it definitely had the John's touch feel to it. So yeah. I was like, mm. but man, like right off the bat, it's you. You've got the Red Lanterns, Atrocitus. I was yep. like, yes. Yep. Oh man, I love Atrocitus. So it's gonna be fantastic to see him uh, coming back, and he's he's coming after the Green Lanterns. He's coming after Earth. So yeah, and it was cool that. Uh... Because, like, Jessica Cruz is the newest Lantern. Like, Simon Baz is new. Jessica Cruz is more new than that. And so, like, she gets called, kind of forced to go to wherever Simon is. And Simon's like, I just love the banter between them. (laughs) Yes. And Simon's just kind of like, you know, who the hell are you? And get out of my way. And then all of a sudden, Hal shows up at a left field, like Squirrel Master. And he's like... All right, I'm going to combine your lanterns into one. Now you don't have a choice. You have to yep. work together. And I'm like, yep. this is awesome. Yeah, and I love the jokes where they're like, what are you, the 18th lantern from Earth? <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances they keep coming from here? Yeah, no, that was that was super, super awesome. Um it almost reminds me of like the lethal weapon, like you know, like it's like That's... lethal weapon of the DC universe. They have to like find a way to work together. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited, and it's it was just really well written. They've got they're already building sort of something that could a storyline that could run for a long time because they had that whole bit with this guardian who escaped with a box, and we don't know what's in this box, but seems like everyone's after it and it'll be i'm excited i'm very excited yeah. and they're these these two are going to be part of the justice league so who uh, man I, I, there's just so much to look forward to and the art in all four of these books folks is amazing um, oh yeah i don't think that i dislike the art in any of them uh all the art was very well done and i'm very excited to there's gonna be a lot of reading from now on to keep up but i'm very excited to see what dc does yeah if it keeps up at this pace i don't think i'll mind no, in all not honesty. at all not yeah. at all if they're all this good even as you know superman was the weakest but it was still like a solid eight out of ten for me yep i agree uh, so if they're all if they're all running on that sort of steam then it's it's gonna be a good time to be reading dc comics what do you got for us rusty Okay, so, I mean, y'all been talking about DC and stuff, but I'm going to be talking about Marvel because Civil War came out. (laughs) I mean, what a surprise, but Civil War came out, and I'm talking about it, okay? So, I mean, I know I've read it. Have you read it, Tap? I have actually read it. I can honestly say that I everybody kept talking about it. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go give it a shot, because I kept saying that the new Marvel stuff I haven't really been feeling lately. So I went in and read it, and... I can't lie. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it, and it left me wanting more. What about you, Noah? Did you like it? I was not a big fan. Oh, we'll be having some conversations then soon. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, Red, have, have you read talking it? To. You know what? I started issue number zero uh, three different times. Couldn't get into it. Okay. Man. So... With issue, issue number one, way better issue, issue one was way better than issue zero because it explained a lot more. Um, issue one starts out with a giant like entity that they're fighting. I, it looks like Galactus, but it's not Galactus, I guess. Um, 
And we just have all our heroes, you know, our standard Avengers. We have the Ultimates. We have the new Avengers. Um, we have some X-Men. Um, even Old Man Logan pops up in a panel. It's weird. But um, we have everyone who is anyone fighting this entity. And the, the outline looks like a Megazord. Uh, uh, Galacta. What would you say, Nova, the, the thing that they were fighting Really? Sort of like an Asian-themed Galactus. Yeah, yeah I would say the same. Right, um, he had the sort of samurai. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Megazord and Galactus had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I could see that. It looked and like he a was samurai Galactus. Defeat. And he was super easy to do. They, okay. Basically, what happens is, you know, this giant thing pops up, and then we get all the magic people together which seems unfair like i mean and by magic people unfair. let's clarify by magic people you mean like it's like scarlet witch, witch doctor strange Voodoo, brother Voodoo, 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 Voodoo. yeah uh, magic magic um, um just like anyone who is anyone that is a magic capable character is in this lineup yes you know what i mean and um they summon the the thing back to its dimension and then all is great, you know? They haven't had anything that went over this well in forever. And then um, we see a party start to ensue at Stark Tower. Imagine that. I know, right? <laughs> Who would have thought that Tony Stark uh, would pay for everything for them to party after they beat this thing? I thought he was broke in the new universe. You would think so, right? Uh, that that was the whole thread of the first few issues of all new, all different X Men. I mean, Avengers. He's paying for everything, apparently. Still, uh, God, and Captain Jeez. America was in it too. Straight Edge, none of the Hail Hydra stuff. Yep. yep. Anyway, go on. There was uh, yeah, that's the thing. You know, Cap's around in it. He's not that big of a part of it. He didn't have but like maybe one or two lines. But he is... seemed kosher. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of weird. It's like, uh, that's the thing. With all these storylines, they all line up in different times. Like, X-Men's at one moment right now. You know, Avengers are at one moment right now. See, that's and where I get confused. Is when it is. Start, little... I can't keep up. Confusing. Yeah, no, like, the timelines and stuff confuse me. But in the very, very, very first page of Civil War II, um, issue one, they uh, you see this new Inhuman... Um, in the middle of the woods or whatever. And then they show Medusa and all the other Inhumans um, coming down to greet him, basically, and say, hey, come with us. And he's just like, look, I was just like a normal kid 20 minutes ago, and now you're telling me I'm an Inhuman, and, like, I can see the future and stuff. Like, I don't want to see this. And so then fast forward to the party at Tony Stark's mansion. Uh, the Inhumans show up. Um, and they all kind of start discussing, uh, the, the possibilities of a character that can see the future and what you can do with it and what you should and should not do with that. Oh, that was the thing. Like she Hulk and Captain Marvel were just like, um, we're at this party. This event happened. How did we know this event was going to happen? How do you know yes, that we're yes. so prepared for it? And so when they went to go ask the Inhumans themselves, they revealed this character who Ulysses. we'd seen. Yeah, who we'd seen before. Uh, we didn't know what his significance was, but now we know that he can see the future and he's a new Inhuman. 
And the funny well, we thing is, also, too, is like when yeah. he meets everyone, he's like, I'm a huge fan. This is a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like totally fanboying out. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we should also mention the fact that, um, well, I guess we find out later after this party that uh, Rhodes is dead. And this is sort of one other problem I had. If I hadn't read the free comic book day issue, I'd be asking a lot more questions like, there's this huge Thanos confrontation, but you guys don't really show it. That's a bit... Why would you do that? It's... It's yeah, truth, man. Give you me. know, like... Like... Because, <laughs> I mean, imagine if you haven't picked up the free comic book day issue, and one day you can't, but you decide, your kid decides, oh, I want to read Civil War too, And you're like, yeah, listen, you're going to have to Google this free comic book day <laughs> issue to find out what really happened with the whole Thanos thing. It's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a turnoff. Oh, that's the thing, though, in the free comic book day issue, we've already talked about how they made Thanos look like a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Until There's he, that, yeah, too. Until he punched War Machine or whatever it was, wasn't it? Yeah, he punched yeah. the hell out of Rhodey. And in this issue, you know, it, shit happened. But... It's it's War Machine, though. I mean. Well, look at She-Hulk, too. Well, War... she's, yeah, she's she sort of on her up. Yeah, she's she's in critical condition as well, but I don't know. It's it seems like killing War Machine is one of the. Oh my god! The I gave the biggest shrug when I saw that. It's like, okay, maybe I'm just <laughs> maybe I'm just heartless. Maybe I'm just, maybe it, it could be, but I just he's such a minor character to me. I, I, I hadn't literally no feelings at all. And it also has to do with uh, this whole gimmick thing, which we'll talk about uh, later. This does feel like a rather gimmicky storyline. However, I still found it intriguing and entertaining. Um, you know, a lot of people try to, you know, badmouth Bendis. And they say, you know, he's, uh, but I've always been a big fan of Bendis. And granted, not everything he does is a home run, but I definitely feel like he's back in the swing of things with Civil War 2. Like, it, it just felt good to read. I wouldn't agree with that. I felt, like, while reading this, that I was, like, I'm drawn in. Like, I am, like, connected with the emotions of the characters, and I just felt that it was well-written and well-tied together. And, I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. I mean, it's already involving Thanos, so I'm a little biased. <laughs> but captured. I'm a little captured there. He, but no, even he, without but he's him, captured. He's not just you. He's okay. got, he got caught. They put him in some kind of jail. Who knows what kind of jail this is? You know, that's the thing. I Thanos ain't gonna stay in no damn jail. He, when, when the hell ever has he ever been captured? He's never See, been I, captured. Just for all the listeners out there, take my opinion with a grain of salt because I'm not a big Bendis fan. I've sort of come to grow a little sour towards his writing, especially with all new X Men and all that stuff. So, just putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will but... say that if you want to talk about his writing, though, I just have to say there's this one, there's this one line, uh, page or panel, whatever you want to call it, um, in here that it made my day. It's just funny. I'm glad to see that there's some humor in this as well, and that's the part where Tony Stark says, "Okay, let's say the guy here comes running up to us and says, oh my god, I just saw a vision of the Hulk making out with Ultron, and a baby popped out.'" 
and the baby was a reincarnated Hitler. <laughs> like, what do we do? And then it's just funny because like you see Spider Man just raise his hand. And he's like, "I'd pay to see that movie." <laughs> like, yeah, right. That was just awesome. I just I don't know. I loved it. I'm glad to see there's. I like humor in my books too. So that was that. Bendis helped. is good at humor for sure. Yeah, he, he's awesome. he's good at writing those kinds of things. But I mean, it, the one thing that really didn't jive with me was Tony Stark's sort of motivations and he got so upset when when Rhodey he found out Rhodey was dead but up until this point I haven't seen him interact or even mention Rhodey for like a I don't even know how long yeah it's been a while yeah yeah you know and then they even made that whole comment and that joke about how he won't upgrade his suit and then, be, like, you didn't, if you had, imagine you had upgraded his suit and it could have withstood Thanos's attack. Imagine that, Tony. Or it's like, yeah. why did you guys use this, this inhuman to see the future and stop Thanos? Well, would you rather he had gone on a rampage and then you stop him? Would you, right. you're, I, I guess like, you let care him just less. grab the cosmic yeah. cube. No big I, deal. <laughs> I guess he cares less about innocent lives than roadies. All right. I guess that yeah. sort of matches Tony's uh, motivations. Oh. Those are those are my problems, but I guess I'm being a I'm being a little bit of a an a hole here because I'm not a big uh, Bendis fan. I don't know. Marvel <laughs> events have just. I guess I just have a bad history with Marvel events recently, especially since the first one I read was Age of Ultron, which. Oh mercy. I'm gonna say. I mean, I like I said, it was drawing me in. What I was gonna say though is that the writing for Captain Marvel, I felt like was really well done and just in this issue alone it made me want to go back and reread all of the uh, ultimate stuff that's been going on the the best part of the issue and you guys are gonna laugh the best part of the issue for me was her conversation with doc samson just i think bendis writes that sort of psychological just really subtle him diagnosing her slowly and really subtly, I thought that was really well done. I, I that was the part I enjoyed the most, which makes me kind of sad. Yeah, but I, I piggyback with what you're saying, Nova. It's like Marvel events. You know, they just left a bitter taste in my mouth after Original Sin. You know, Original Sin was basically the last nail in the coffin for me. And then to see what they did with, uh, God, what was the one? Yeah, and it's just like I just got tired of it. It just. Yeah, I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased with it. Original Sin was a letdown, and then I got excited for Secret Wars, and I couldn't even get into it. Honestly, I kept trying, and much like you with Civil War, I just could not do it. And I've got to say, I've mentioned this before, but Marvel has these gorgeous, extremely talented artists. David Marquez drawing mm-hmm. Civil War Two. Wow, it is a beautiful oh, yes. story. Very, very. Beautiful. It is yep. breathtaking, but. The, for me, anyway, the stories always sort of are hit or miss. Mostly miss. I will say number one issue for me was a hit. I'm definitely going to follow up with issue two, and I'm going to pray that it continues. Now, going back to our earlier gimmick or not gimmick thing, She-Hulk at the end. Is she dead or is she alive? She's alive. To be continued. She's alive. Yeah, so I they killed Rhodey, but I don't think she holds. That's all right, Rhodey. You'll be back eventually. All right. Yep. 
Did you guys like the fact that the death of Rhodey wasn't even on anyone's radar? Like, if you go look no at the cared. if you go look at the forums or the line chats or anything, not one person that I've seen has said anything about the death of Rhodey. Not one. Again, he, again, yeah, he's just been this like, not even in the background. He's he's working backstage fixing the lights at this point. <laughs> yep. Well, he's just like, so why would any why would anybody bring it up? Anyways, because we all know when character dies, they come back. Yeah. And on top of that is there's been too much other stuff in the limelight. Yep. You know, Captain America and, of course, uh, Rebirth. Yeah, there's just too much going on right now in this last week. Just I, way too much. I agree. I just found it really just <laughs> ironic and funny that not one oh. person is mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I was just going to say, I mean... If you're going to kill someone, at least make it someone people will feel emotionally invested in. Right. I mean, come on, Brody. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Move on. Next page. <laughs> but, you know, right now, basically, it's most Marvel and DC hashing it out right now with who can come up with a bigger and better story. Truth. You know, yep. that's, that's yep. the way I just I see it right now. And, you know, and DC is just like, we'll just keep putting out what we already got out because, you know what? <laughs> well, we got... I mean, yeah, DC has killed... Superman again recently, which also hasn't mm-hmm. been that big of a deal in the comic. Um, I think that's because fans are happy that we get back the original Superman. Yeah, exactly. I think we care more about that than a new Fifty Two Superman. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I mean, even like pre Fifty Two Wally West, that should be you know talked about a lot more these days. Yeah, but I, it, yeah, it, the Cap thing took the spotlight for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, I'll give Civil War. I'll keep. I'll keep reading it. But uh, it was also an oversized issue. I don't know if you guys noticed. What was it? Five ninety nine. Yeah. Six ninety nine for us Canadians. Yeah, it was. It was a little. Gosh bit, darn it! It was a little 40, bit more. I forty really, pages. I really hope that Marvel, forty pages. Yeah, it wasn't. It was pages. longer, but not by much. Forty pages. I really hope that Marvel. Uh, takes the DC route and decides to lower the price of their books. I well, think see, they I will. Think, I, I think comic stores like a higher price book, though, because they can make more money off of it if people buy it. And an event book, people are going to buy. That's people true. are going to buy it. That's true, but I like the... I mean, I'm not asking to go back to the 75 cent days or anything like that, or even the dollar 25 days. Like, I'm okay 2.99. Like, that's fair. I can do that. 2.99, fair enough. But the 3.99s and up. I don't know. I know it's only a dollar, but when you have so many books that you're buying, that shit, it adds up. It adds up. up. Yeah. It does. It adds. I can't. And one thing you, I've noticed, and a lot of people have been complaining about, is each number one from Marvel has been pushed up to 4.99. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not many people are liking that at all. No, Marvel needs to lower their price points, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. People are going to buy the number ones because they think it's going to be the next, you know, yep. big thing that they can make money off of down the road. The illusion these people are living under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many comics has Marvel put out in the last, we'll just say, five years that are number ones that have been worth anything? Well, yeah. and and they've announced recently they're doing like a reboot of Marvel Now or something oh. like that. I don't know. I think they're renumbering again soon. Marvel Now, Marvel Now, Now, <laughs> Now, 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 Now. But I, 
But you no, know, going back to what I said, the, really the only comic that I can truly think of that was a number one is uh, Goddess Thor. That one is the only one that has actually gone up in value. About Gwen. Spider Gwen too. Yeah. Oh, Spider Gwen. Yeah, but yeah. The, wasn't that was? But the, was that the regular cover or the variant cover? Both. Both. Yeah. Was it both? Okay, but uh, very... what if Venom? But let's not lie. Spider Gwen was very much a gimmick. Oh, yeah, of course. It's... But you know what? That's far few in between. It really, jacking up these prices on number ones because they know people are going to buy all buy all of them or multiple ones of them because. People think they're going to be worth something. I think there's a misconception. People are confusing number ones with first appearances. The yeah. like the people who are picking up number ones are confusing those with first appearances because the first appearance of Spider Gwen is worth a pretty penny. Yeah, I don't know how much Spider Gwen number one is worth, but I wouldn't like. I wouldn't say you're going to be okay. You want me to tell you I right now? Twenty ish, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. So. Spider uh, verse number two, which is the technical first appearance of Spider Gwen, is worth ungraded around sixty to about one hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, graded, it has been known to go up to about three hundred dollars. Wow. That's like a nine point eight, nine point eight um, variant. Variant. Oh, okay. okay. I thought it was so, more. Okay. No, variant um, can go anywhere from two hundred to three hundred. Regular covers usually around three hundred. If it's graded nine point eight, okay, slap. Um, if you want to get a regular uh, Gwen uh, variant, Spider Gwen number one, it depends if you want to get the regular one or the variant. The regular one goes somewhere around like fifteen dollars. Okay, the uh, variant will go anywhere to like twenty five thirty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's a problem. But then there's the Gwenpool stuff, where if you get the Gwenpool variant, you know, it, it, which is the technical first appearance of Gwenpool on the Wolverine one, um, that's somewhere around like thirty bucks. And if you want to get the uh, regular Gwenpool number one, that's somewhere around twenty bucks. And we've got Gwenum coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're gonna do Gwen, just buy Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-one. Get the first appearance of Gwen. You know, a seven point oh is only gonna cost you roughly about what three hundred bucks. Are you talking about a tw- one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. ASM yeah. thirty-one. Yep. Yeah, but and now um, again, have any of you guys had a chance to read the Spider-Man free comic book day issue? I have not. No, nope. I think I mentioned it before, but it seems like. Gwen Stacy is back in the 616 or whatever the mm-hmm. new universe is called. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to oh, see wait. how that affects Maybe prices. Maybe I did. Do they, yeah, show it at f- the, they show it at the very end? Yep. Yeah, okay, page. I, d- I did. Yep, I did read that one. Never mind. I and I think, that. I think Rhino's back and Kingpin's yes. wife came back but got killed again. Yes, she got killed immediately. Oh, I, yes, I did yeah. read that because I was complaining about the Kingpin art. I said it looked like a fat blob it didn't look anything yeah. like kingpin yeah so that that's happening too i'm uh, i guess i'm behind on amazing spider-man but rusty you may know this has dead no more sort of leaked into the ongoing series uh i'm not i own all the new spider-man issues haven't read any. okay oh, so you got me on that one yeah. but i'll go back what i said before if you're gonna buy a, a number one people buy an image number one 
But not the reprint number ones that you can get for a buck. No, no, not those. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's. I'll, I'll just throw it out there again. The fix came out two months ago. No, it was originally what two ninety nine. You can't get it cheaper than twenty to thirty bucks right now. At this point, if there's a new image number one coming out, pick it up. Pick, Here's, pick you it. guys want to get one that's just an excellent image book, and it's not even you can find it for a buck. It's not even worth that much, um, unfortunately, because it's a fantastic title. But Postal, absolute mm-hmm. fan. I bought a number one for I think it's like two dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, wait and wait until that gets a TV or movie. Treatment. Exactly, exactly. Now is the time to buy it's, it. It's get bound it. to happen to that series. Yep. Bound to happen. Yeah, such get a it. fantastic series. Get it in 9.8. Do whatever you need to do. Pick it up. Guaranteed? Guaranteed when Romulus drops, number one, people Mm -hmm. are going to see the name Brian Hill, look back at Postal. Stuff's going to, things are going to start spinning. Wheels are going to start spinning. He's a fantastic writer. Yeah. He was a great interview as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think the whole number one thing is getting a little, little uh, wacky now. Coincidentally, since Wacky Raceland number one came out, <laughs> but that is a gem to be sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, and you know, and I see they're really bringing back Hanna Barbera stuff. Scooby Doo now Wacky Racers. What's going to be next? Jetsons. Hey, I love the Jetsons. I'll be I mean, who did so it? Stoked. Oh, I love the Jetsons. I have the Jetsons. I'd be happy too on VHS. I actually bought it like a couple months ago on VHS. <laughs> But I'm telling you, we're going to start seeing more Hanna-Barbera these days, I think. I'm all right with that. I don't I, think I'm, not, I'm not angry at all. Which I need to read Scooby-Doo, number one. I haven't seen the greatest reviews online. I heard it was actually decent. Okay. I haven't read it myself yet, but I did hear it was actually decent. Okay. And I do want to read it. I just didn't want to pay $4 for it. Yeah. No $4 for tap. No, uh, my four dollars is gonna go towards like the other stuff, like Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Tales of Sabrina. Sounds cool. Oh, it's I wonder. Amazing. If, gotta wonder if Scooby Doo even on uh, Comicology yet? It is. I'm actually looking it, at it as it we speak. Should be. That's exciting. I might go read that tonight. All right. Sounds like we wrapped this up. Yep. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is a new segment from Rusty, and um, I have all the guys here with me to discuss, is it a gimmick or not? And what we're calling this is, we're not buying it, because obviously if it's piece of crap, we're not buying it, right guys? I'm putting my wallet away. Mm-mm. Right? And uh, you know what, that's the thing. The world of comics has been filled with gimmicks and stuff for forever. I mean, since the beginning, there's been something going on that we have to sell comic books. And you know what? Sometimes they put these things out there and then it's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. That's the the thing with it. It's like, what are you even thinking putting this out here? And um, with this segment, though, only two of the four guys are going to be participating. Say it ain't so. It's the truth, man. And today (laughs) it is going to be Tap and Nova while me and Red are judging. 
<laughs> You're judging us? No, we're judging you. Listen up here, Judgy McJudgerson. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but you're going to have to argue for or against if it is a gimmick. But what okay? if we both agree that it's a gimmick? You can agree if it's a gimmick or not. If y'all want to work together, y'all can work together oh, on okay. it. Okay. Okay? This is who, who provides the best rebuttal. It's it's not just that. If y'all end up disagreeing against something, it's going to be who who gives the best rebuttal. Otherwise, you're just going to be convincing us and the audience whether it is a gimmick or not. All right, that's I cool. Mean, I think me and Nova can do this. Okay, but if yeah. y'all see differently, feel free to shout y'all's differences. I, I there's nothing stopping you. Okay, I like cool. it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So for today's topic. Topic number one is going to be, and it goes either way. You can go across any company. I don't care what you reference, what you do. Just tell me, was it a gimmick or is it something that you think lasted the long haul or made a difference? And points will be given on grammar and uh, pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So, Red, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do All this. Right, let's do this. Okay. The first topic out of two topics for today is giant-sized issues. Okay? Okay. Is this a gimmick, or was this something that you think made a difference? Absolutely not a gimmick. I'm with Nova on that one. I don't believe I don't think it's it a was. gimmick. Why? You're getting more bang for your for more your... buck, I guess. It depends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean... It's just like instead of buying two issues, you buy the one big one and you get one continuous story, hopefully, ideally. Um, the only thing I w wouldn't uh, praise them for, and I, this doesn't always happen, but sometimes they're just <laughs> random stories that are unrelated to anything going on and that doesn't always jive with me. But like, for example, DC did with Detective Comics 27 in the New 52, they had this huge like... I think it was like close to 100 pages. But I thought it was nice. It was like premiere format. It had the cardboard sort of front and like the, the cardboard front and back. Uh, it was nice. I liked it. I enjoyed it. You got a bunch of short stories, different artists and uh, different writers. It was great. I, I thought it was really well done. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to just have this thick comic book that you can just pick up and feel like you're reading for an eternity. Same from the guy that likes to collect trays. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. So but what yeah. do you think? Uh, what do you think, Tap? No, I agree. More bang for your buck. I mean, for instance, look at DC's Rebirth that just came out. You know, an 80-page book. Granted, there's ads and things in it, but still, it's double the issue from what you normally get for two ninety-nine. Uh I've seen some giant-sized issues where they charge a little bit more, uh, which, in that case, I feel is a little bit gimmicky. But if you're going to charge the same price and you're going to give people more bang for their buck, I'm all for it. I think it's great. Um, I think it's it's definitely something that people like to collect, uh, which could, I guess, be somewhat gimmicky. But in the end, it, it works. Like, it gets people that may not read comics. It gets them... Like, oh, this looks really good, or oh, this is special. I'm going to pick this book up, you know? I mean, look at Rebirth, look at Giant-Sized X-Men. 
Uh, I think, you know, those books were huge jumping on points for a lot of people when they were originally released. Uh, and a lot of times you're able to collect them as well. And, you know, they're worth money eventually a lot of times too. So you gotta, you gotta appreciate the collector value of it. Okay. Well, Red, I'm going to direct this at you. So me and you can just kind of talk about it and maybe they can think about it a little, Mm -hmm. but um, in your opinion, Red, would you say that they really even do giant size issues or bigger issues as much as they used to in, say, the 70s, 80s, 90s? I would say no. Um, I look at it this way. Like DC, in a way, they are doing giant sized issues, but they're just cutting them in half and selling them twice a month. Yeah. yeah but really, I mean, now two, one title, two issues a month. That's just their way of actually getting a little bit more money. And that's, to me, giant size issues were more of a gimmick. I'm going to go on, the, I'm going to go against these guys. To me, it was just a way for the publishers to get more money. And a lot of those giant size from Marvel were uh, basically reprints of older comic stories. There's exceptions, but a lot more just reprints. Okay. Selling, reselling the same story over again, labeling giant sized and putting it out for, you know, a few pennies more and boom, there it is. It's just the, it's the, it's the early days of trade paperbacks. What would would y'all say though? Because I mean, there are specific (laughs) ones that are not trade paperbacks, obviously that came out more prevalent, like more frequently in the seventies and eighties and stuff. I mean, I would say that they came out a little more frequently back then than they do now. Oh yeah. I mean, it was the last, there's one that the the last one that really, that truly came out, I guess you could say is the DC rebirth rebirth, uh, that 80 page for two ninety nine. That's a giant size issue. Now what, what constitutes giant size just out of curiosity more than your normal. Yeah. Okay. So so DC does annuals every year for every single title they have. And I mean, if it was a gimmick, it would have died out by now. But yep. annuals are still around. They're, they sell well. Um, there was the, I think it was 700 issue anniversary for Detective Comics a few, two mm-hmm. years or three years back. That was 100 plus, 100 plus pages, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, Detective Comics 27. I think I agree with you, though, Red. Back in the day, if they were just reprinting like two issues into, into an issue and then calling mm-hmm. it giant size X-Men yeah. something, you know. Uh, it's kind of unfair. And also what DC does now is, I don't know what they call it, but they're sort of, they're 100 page issues that are again, reprinting older issues. So there was one for dark side war recently that had some classic dark side issues in it. And it was a hundred pages, like a really, really thin trade. It wasn't even a trade paper. It looked like a regular comic book, but it was a hundred pages. Um, I mean, even, even image comics has been guilty of it. Uh, for example, Savage Dragon. How many double-sized, 100-page issues has Savage Dragon put out? A lot. I was going to say, um, with Nova saying just like the annual alone, I mean, an annual is an annual, but, I mean, back in the day, there was king size, giant size, do you know, like, mm-hmm. the bicentennial super thing, you know, like, there was a bunch of different categories for it. I mean, you can't just count on the annuals, which have always really been around, to be the only giant size. Mm-hmm. I think there's parts of it that are gimmicky, um, but as a whole, I would say that it stands on its own. I would say overall it is not a gimmick, but yes, there are aspects of it that are gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's something that we can agree on then, right? 
some of it is gimmicky and some of it is meh. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, if it's like those, they're called 100-page spectacular. Yeah. Reprints, whatever, whatever they may be. Those are those are kind of gimmicky, but I don't know. Maybe they're a way for someone to read something they otherwise wouldn't have. Okay. All right. So, do y'all have any final statements on this? I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> the gavel. No, I think we all. I think we all agree on this one. I think it's a pretty fair consensus across the board. I will say it's a fair thing across the board, but I think Nova explained it a little bit better. I have a lot. Well, is this a game? I didn't realize this was a game. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. I, I mean, it's semi- Rusty's give Rusty's giving us his poly bagged X Force number one for whoever wins. <laughs> <laughs> that's the irony of this entire contest. The runner up gets the uh, the bag that's open. <laughs> <laughs> they get the card that came with it. But no, I, I definitely think that y'all both uh, did a no, definitely. explanation on this. So I, like, yeah. definitely. Um, I like the annual thing. That was my main thing. I like that you brought that up, that they still mm-hmm. do that. And I mean, it's like a bigger size thing. And that never really died off it, in its way. It was like the original form of like a giant size or king size or whatever. It's, I feel like uh, it was just something later on. And it's like, let's just make different pages and we'll make different yeah. Yeah. synonyms, I guess, for it, you know? So, yeah. But... This leads us off to our second portion of this, okay? And um, me and Nova will be judging Red and Tap. Okay. So, do you think that the death of characters in a comic is a gimmick, or is it something that's straightforward? Total gimmick. It is completely a gimmick. But, Tap, go ahead. I'll let you run first. So... Yeah, death of characters in comics is a is a total gimmick unless you are referring to like, you know, Uncle Ben and you know those that cannot ever be brought back. Which actually, Uncle Ben's been brought back in Ultimate. They're in different universes, which is kind of weird. But I mean, so you're talking about like death of Captain America, death of the Human Torch, death of Superman, death of yeah. Those yeah. are all gimmicks, gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. Okay. Uh, death of wolverine why because after a year 13 months whatever it is they all come back so they're like we're gonna kill off your favorite like they do a spider-man we're gonna kill off your favorite hero and you're like no so then like you go and you like buy all these books and you're like oh my god they're gonna kill them off what's gonna happen blah 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 and then they kill them off and then everybody gets all sad and grumpy and then a year goes by and they're like, oh, just kidding. We're going to bring him back. And it's like, oh, they were like Captain America. He was trapped in this alternate dimension. Uh, Wolverine, we're still waiting on that one to be brought back. Uh, Spider-Man, he ended up, his ghost or whatever kind of like came back, his spirit, and like took over Doc Ock and got his body back. I mean, it was just, it's all a gimmick. Now, are they well done and they're still fun to read? Yes, I'm not knocking them. I still love them. They are fun to read, but they're still gimmicks all the way. It's just to get people excited and to get people talking. It's the next big thing. It's like Captain America hailing Hydra, okay? It's the next big thing to get people to buy the book so they can get sales. That's all it is, is a way for them to boost sales. All it is. So now, before Red answers, you don't think it could possibly be something that just like furthers their storyline 
Mm, I have a different spin on that a little bit. Nine times out of ten, no. Okay. Well, let's hear what you have to say, Red. Okay. Well, it obviously is a gimmick for the most part. Okay. So, you know, and, and like you said, Uncle, there's a very few people that have died and stayed died. Uncle Ben, all right, obviously is one. And I'm trying to remember uh, uh, the guy from G.I. Joe, uh, Quinn. He's another one that stayed dead, as well as, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason Todd. Um, well, a lot of them, you know, they kill off the character and they come back. But why? Why does that happen? Well, if you really look at it truly, really dissect it down, it's typically you have a writer who's been writing it for a length of time. And finally, he, basically, the writer either gets bored writing it or gets tired of the storyline, wants to change things up. So he kills off a character and the character is dead, creates, you know, panic, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, the death of Superman or, you know, Batman, rest in peace and all these other different, you know, story arcs are going out there. Then what happens typically is a new writer picks up the series. Well, that new writer will pick it up and find a way to basically resurrect the character in some way. And to me, a lot of it is kind of a, a passing of the torch. A writer is gets tired of it. He decides he needs to do something, you know, big before he finishes his contract or whatever it might be, kills off the character. The new writer comes on board and gives them their rebirth or reboot or whatever, how you want to call it. You know, we've had we've seen a lot, you know, probably I would say the probably the most notable examples is, of course, going to be Jean Grey and the Dark Phoenix saga. And you also have, of course, the Death of Superman storyline um, that came out got early 90s, you know, and of course, Superman returned and all that again, new writers. And to me, it's just a passing from one writer to the next. Like I said, just doing their little bit to make their mark on that character, you know, and some of the deaths, you know, really did shock readers. You know, we have, you know, Barry Allen and, but, you know, Wally West picked it up. You know, we have, you had Hal Jordan and then, you know, we get more Green Lanterns. And when one dies, also in some of these stories, somebody else will pick up the mantle, but we might still see that original character come back. And like I, like we said, it is a gimmick. You know, it is to boost sales, to get more people to pick it up and read it. You know, look at the death of Superman, for an example. Oh, my gosh. It's in Polly Bagden, and I, and I got to pick it up because it's going to be worth a million dollars one day. I mean, how many people pick that up and it's still worth five bucks? To this day, you know, after God, how many years has it been now? Thirty some years. It's just a gimmick, bottom line. But to me, a lot of it goes down to it's a passing from a writer to the next when the story arcs change. Okay, so Nova, between me and you, I mean, would you say that like characters' deaths meant a little something more back in like say the sixties, seventies, eighties, rather than they do yeah. now, where they just pass it around? Well, I've got two things to say. Um, Historically, they did mean a lot more back then because there weren't as many resurrections. So at the time, Death of Superman was a big deal. Uh, The the Death of Barry Allen was a big deal because we didn't know that these characters can come back through time travel, magic, space-time continuum, goes into flux, uh, anti-monitor takes a shit and poops Barry back, whatever it may be, you know? <laughs> Earth 1 or 2 or 6. Yeah, months, oh, I was, I was trapped in the Speed Force and now yeah. I'm back out. Um, so that's one thing. But the second thing I've got to say, you mentioned death of characters in comics. Now i got to bring up Image Comics. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a gimmick there. No. It's the real deal. When someone is dying there, yeah, They're the dead. issues They're the gone. issues the issues sell like crazy because people those do matter because that character is gone and they're not coming mm-hmm. back. Uh, unless it's spawn or something, you know. Spawn. <laughs> yeah, where they yeah. where they do come back. But But look at like Kirkman. Anything yeah. that Kirkman writes, when when a Kirkman character dies, he is dead, gone, buried. Hasta la vista. That's it. Not coming yeah. back. But you know it's a gimmick now because when someone dies in a comic, me personally, it's hard for me to get emotionally upset because I know this guy's coming back. Like, it'll be a year. It could be two years, three, but they're going to come back. It doesn't matter. I mean, Gwen Stacy's coming back. Oh, yeah. If she can come back... Uh, who knows, man? Uncle Ben's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and like you said with Image, that's the thing, too. It's that shock value. When you read The Walking Dead and you're like, oh, my God, Lori just got shot and the baby got killed. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. You know, it's like you get that lump in your throat because you know they're gone. They're not coming back. Yeah. But no, Rusty, I, I think you agree with that back in the day it was a bigger deal when someone died. I think well, what I always think of is like the death of Captain Marvel and or like the death of Thanos, or the death of Adam Warlock. They didn't come back for like 10 plus years almost. And yep. it was just like, uh, you know, and um, but then you got people like Professor X where it's like, oh, he died. Oh, it was a clone. Oh, it was a stand in. Oh, it was, you know what I mean? Yep. Same thing with uh, Jean Grey with Phoenix. I mean, X-Men is probably one of the most guilty for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's just one of those things where it's like it feels like a gimmick. But like back then, it, it felt more real. I Just because you don't have internet and you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You get people's opinions on Twitter and stuff. So it felt more believable. But then again, you can't remember back then, like when Gwen Stacy died. That was a shock. That was a huge shock. And they never brought her back. But you didn't have the social media back in that day like we do now. Yep. Well, it's the kid who cried wolf situation at this point. Mm-hmm. I think yep. anybody that's died within the last 10 Because a lot of times, I have to disagree with Red on this, lately, like in the last you know, 10 or so years, maybe even going back to Death of Superman, it's the same writer that kills him and brings him back. Dan Jurgens killed and brought back Superman. Oh, that's, uh, uh, okay, you have a point there with Dan Dan Slott. Yeah. Dan Slott killed off Spider-Man and brought Spider-Man back. Uh, Ed Brubaker killed off Captain America and brought Captain America back. Like, so in the early days, yes, I will say it was more meaningful. But once you start hitting, like, the more modern age of comics, I guess, is what people, you know, would like to refer to it now as. That is definitely all gimmick because it's all, it's the same writer killing them and bringing them back, killing them and bringing them back, you know? So, yeah. aside from Image, which you guys had an excellent point on, Image is a whole nother animal, but. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I think we can all agree on uh, today what was a gimmick, what was not. So, what would y'all say, Nova or Red, what would you say is the verdict on. Giant size issues. The verdict giant uh, giant size is a gimmick. You think it's a gimmick? I do think it's a gimmick since day one. I, I didn't think it was that much of a gimmick. So we because agreed, like I said, disagree my, on that. Yeah, one. And like I said, because most of those to me are just reprints. I think that it it, it depends on its value, whether it's king mm-hmm. size, giant size, an mm-hmm. annual, or whatever. Um, so Nova, what would you say the verdict is on deaths 
Uh, gimmick post nineties, I think, or maybe late eighties. I would agree on the same thing. Except with Image being the exception, and maybe you know the, the more independent publishers that may actually have uh, story-driven deaths and so forth. I would agree with you on that one. I think it's more of a, yeah. a gimmick in the modern age than it, rather than you know, nineties pre. Yeah. Era. Well, I mean, yeah. like. Like Barry Allen was gone for ten thirty years. years? Yeah. Oh man. well, Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then he came back in Final Crisis, I think. Or right. no, Final Crisis or Flash Rebirth was it? One of those two, but that was that was quite a bit of time. In you the know, game. and there was yeah, and there was a little bit of a uh, Speed Force time yeah. looping thing in the Flash Volume Two with Wally West. But that yeah, was... there was, I mean, people are. It, it's been so long that people are mad he came back because they got so <laughs> attached to Wally. Yeah, that is true. So, yeah, I think at it... that point, at that point, it's not a gimmick. When people get so attached to the replacement, they mm-hmm. they're they're not a fan of the original returning. Yeah, but you, but you know, but I'm but with Wally, I love Wally West. I, I do hands down. But I still like Barry more. Yeah, I love Barry. I don't know why I just yep. do. Yep, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, this has been this week's edition of. We're not buying it, but I guess this week we're kind of <laughs> buying it a little bit. Come wait, 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 whoa! You don't don't wrap it up. I, I don't leave us uh, Tap and I hanging. Who who had the best argument? Who had the best argument? Nova. What are you putting the pressure on me for, man? This is <laughs> your you're the other judge. <laughs> you're the guest judge. Um... You gotta tell us. I liked. Uh, I like. I feel like Red just said a lot more, so uh, I felt like he covered. The base is more, um, and I liked I like the point about the the sort of time er, the, the like past a certain point it became a gimmick. Um, but at the same time, I'm a kid who didn't grow up reading the death of Barry Allen. Yep, uh, I didn't grow up reading the death of Superman. So to me, it's always been a gimmick. Uh, it's just I, I can't, like I said, I, I can't even take it seriously anymore. Uh, it's can't. just so. It's it's a it's a weak story point for me at this point. If someone's killing someone off, it just sort of makes me think you couldn't come up with something better. You just had to kill someone for the effect. Um, unless Everyone's it's some, already died, right? Unless it's someone who's been writing a character for ten years and suddenly kills him off. It's like, well, what are you doing? You just you've done this for so long. It's and like now, if, uh, it's like if Jim <laughs> Starlin was just like, all right, Thanos is dead. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, left well, it, what, well, and what it are you like, doing? What? Yeah, exactly. Or how about Marvel just killing people off and, oh, you know what? It's okay. We'll kill everybody. We'll Frank Castle it. is dead. Don't worry about it. We'll just reboot. It's okay. Yeah. We just killed the whole universe, but they're back the next week. Yeah. It happened. Before we even finish the storyline, they're back. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That's how sad it was. Before we finish Secret Wars and the death of the 616, let's start the new series where they're back already. Rusty, you've asked us a bunch of questions. I got a question I'm going to throw at you. Who do you think the next death is going to be? Who's the next gimmick? I have no idea. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good question. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they just threw out there, like, a death of uh, Captain America. They're like, too many death threats, just kill him. (laughs) (laughs) all of us you know what i mean uh, put down just, put down by nick spencer yeah put down by nick spencer it's like he's hydra too many death threats just kill the guy we'll figure it out later 
that or you know i mean they killed scott summers i wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna kill his younger self soon i don't think either company is gonna kill anyone since like we discussed earlier in the podcast uh someone died in civil war two and someone has died in the i guess new 52 slash rebirth universe so um i think they already got a couple deaths in there and they may wait a while yeah my my, my money is going to be on sharon carter i think she's the next to go oh wouldn't miss her no <laughs> no offense to you sharon carter fans out there sorry there's, but... three, pe- there's three people getting mad right now <laughs> So, does anyone have anything to conclude, or are we good? Yeah, I had fun. All right. Well, this is going to conclude this week. We're not buying it, and um, we have something else for you. It's that time, folks, for three contestants in a battle royale for a chance to win the coveted Amazing Spider-Man number 300. Let's start Battle of the Geek, shall we? And welcome our guests, Rusty, Nova, and Tap. Hello, Howdy. Howdy. Woo. Yes. As of now, our point standings are with Tap in the lead at six points. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Nova and Rusty tied at two points. It's on. It's on. Well then, guys, let's start Battle of the Geeks. All right. I am going to change it up a little bit this week, guys. You know, instead of asking regular questions like I typically do, we're going to break this down into five different segments. And each segment, whoever answers the most questions correctly will get one point. All right. So this first segment, I'm going to give you a name, and you tell me who that hero or villain is, or I give you the hero and villain's name, and you tell me what their alias is. Okay. For example, I say Peter Parker, you say Spider-Man. I say Batman, you say... Bruce Wayne. There you go. There you go. As real. Jean Claude. <laughs> Jean Claude. That's Jean Paul so, Valley, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. But whoever can get the most, um, who can answer first and get the most correct, wins the point for this round. Are you guys ready? Sure. All right. Animal Man. Buddy Baker. All right. I, know, <laughs> no. I knew that one was Nova. As soon as, he, like... as soon as he said Animal Man, I was like, that's Nova. Yeah. Rogue. Uh, Anna uh, Paquin. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rusty, this should be all you, man. Yeah, Rusty. What is her name? Oh, my have God. have a real name? Not Raven. Like... Ra- no, that's Mystique. Oh, my God. There's somebody uh, throwing their phone at I know, speak. right? Every probably, I'm letting down cases. all my X-Men fans right now. Cuz I blank I'm blanking on Rogue. Oh my god. Um dude, dude. I, I don't not no know idea. this either. Yeah, oh my god. I have no, I'm not an X-Men. Uh, so I okay. Well, I'll tell you that that name is Anna Marie. I said Anna Paquin, do I get half a point? <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> I'm so. I thought you were gonna get that. I, I know. Mean, I I blanked. I blanked. I'm sorry. All right. Impulse. Mark Grayson. Bart Allen. Yes, Nova. Bart Allen. Wait. Oh, I said Invincible. Bart Damn it! I was thinking Invincible. <laughs> I was like, wait, impulse. what? Like Mark, what? <laughs> ah, I'm trying to be fast, and I wasn't. I didn't. Oh, all I heard was, uh, yeah, that's ironic. I, I was, all right. Okay. Now I'm gonna throw son up. Son of a bitch. Okay, I got. Who this. is? Victor Stone. Cyborg. 
Yes, Nova. Okay. <laughs> Nova's all happy because I know, right? He's like, all right, see. just keep throwing him out there, like it's okay. Uh, Philip Ulrich. A uh, hobgoblin. No. Uh, the the the. Am I close? Even isn't he like the news <laughs> reporter at the Daily Bugle or something? <laughs> oh. Am I close? Philip, it's it's his son, Philip Ulrich, right? It's not hobgoblin, green goblin, no. hobgoblin, green goblin. There you go. Oh, I, was like, I knew green it was one of the goblins. goblins. <laughs> All right, Mark Grayson, invincible, invincible. invincible. I got that one. That was me. That I was got me. that Rusty, one. Rusty, why would you, <laughs> you get know, that one? How I, dare you? I got that one. <laughs> You know, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm. It, to me, it sounded like Rusty said it first. That's what? Funny. I'm, yes. I'm going to be completely honest. It, it just sounded that way. All right, we're going to have to play it back, and then <laughs> <laughs> I need I need a replay yeah, on need, that. I need a playback on that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe slow mo. But if I say elongated man, you would say no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Really, you don't know who Ralph Dibney is, huh? Uh. Is he? Oh, that's right. Yes, that is right. Yeah, identity crisis. I was thinking yes. of Plastic Man. I should have. Yeah, so yeah. I should have remembered identity crisis. All right, Kathy Kane. Cassandra Kane, Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Batwoman. Oh, there you go. Batwoman. Uh, I don't know. Man. Uh... Batgirl, right. Batwoman, Barbara All Gordon. Right. All right, so I'm gonna have to tune in quickly because I know this is gonna go fast. The man who speaks with fish. Aquaman. Arthur. Uh, Arthur Curry. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Nova because he gave me the full name. Oh, come on. <laughs> I said Aquaman. You got to get the Curry in there, man. It's yeah, Curry. They, there's, there's a lot of Arthur. So, all right. Um, Blue Beetle. Uh, Jamie Reyes. Uh, I, I heard Ted Cord. I yeah. said Jamie Reyes. That's a current Blue Beetle. Ted. The current Blue Beetle. Oh, that's the I just said kid, Blue right? Beetle. Well, then we should both get it because there's multiple Blue Beetles. <laughs> but who said first? That's the question. I said Ted first. No, that's another playback. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty, you got to give the last name too. Otherwise, yes. Yeah, you have to, I have to have a full name. I am great with faces, bad with names. This is not working out in my favor. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you knew it was Ted at least. Jeez, yeah. for a guy who doesn't. I believe that was pretty cool. Look so at that one, Gold. that one DC Universe Rebirth issue you read, and all of a sudden you're spitting out names. <laughs> <laughs> oh. good That's good to see. Yeah, it is. That it is. So I think in that one, it sounds like the point has to go to tap. Uh, all right. If I say Captain Canada, who is it? Captain Gunnook. I don't know what I don't know his name. Come on, Nova, you're letting your country down. Well, I have no idea his name. Captain Canada? Yeah, Captain Canada. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't. That'd be Daniel Eaton. Okay. I had no idea on I you got me on that. All right. Nightcrawler. Kurt, oh, Kurt Wagner. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, Tap, you did get that. That was one. Tap, yeah. I even got it with the accent. Kurt Wagner. <laughs> all right so we are currently rusty one 
Nova Four Tap Four. Oh! <laughs> Sounds like we need a tiebreaker here. Yep. Yep. All right. Captain Adam. I don't know. Ray Palmer. No, that's the Adam. That's the Adam. I don't know Captain Adam. I don't know Captain Adam. I know exactly what he looks like, but I can't think of who what his yeah. alias is. I've almost bought that issue like two or three times now in auctions. Uh, well, the answer is Captain Alan Adam. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's still four Nova, four tap. Here's the tiebreaker. One of you's going to get it. Rusty, I'm sorry you can't participate in this one. Oh. It's going to come down. You're going to have to help me out here. Who's going to say this answer first? Okay. All right. Two face. Harvey Shit, Dent. Ah, Nova. Ah. <laughs> All right. Nova gets the oh, bam. one point for that round. Is that that's the round? The, that's, that's the end the of that round. Segment one. Uh-oh. That's just a round? Oh, that's my gosh. This is so much different. Okay. Yes, it is different. This now is we're gonna cool. Move. I like this. Yeah. So let's go to the de- next round. I'm going to name off a comic book, and you're going to name out the publishing company. Ooh. Okay. All right. So if I say... 4001 AD, you would say... Valiant, Valiant Comics. Nova. What? That was Nova. That was Nova. We need playback. That was, I agree. <laughs> I agree it was Nova. Thank you. Uh, all right. Now, now, Russ, you do know you can participate, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all these indie companies come at me and I just draw a blank. All right. So what if I say Empress number three? Marvel. Oh, Nova. Oh my gosh, I almost lied. I was like, <laughs> and that's not that's not indie. Come on. I know, right? That was Marvel. All I right. was just looking at it too. Yep. What if I said Nowhere Men? Image. Image. Nova. <laughs> How about Blaze Brothers? Vertigo. Dark Horse. No. Top Cow. Nope. I'm just naming shit off. <laughs> IDW. Nope. DC. Uh, boom. Nope. Uh, Action so... Lab. Blaze Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The answer is Devil's Do. Oh, that's going to be my next uh... guess. Yes. All right. Plants versus Zombies. IDW. Boom. <laughs> nope. Nope. Dynamite. Oh, what? Nope. DC. Nope. Action Lab. Nope. <laughs> Big Dog Inc. Nope. Y'all know this company. Uh, image. image. No. Plants vs. Zombies. Dark Horse. Yes, Dark Horse. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. All right, Tap. Got that one. All right, if I said Amazing Forest. Amazing Forest? Image. Yes. Yeah. Art. No, that's, not art. Uh, that's her boom, boom. No, not boom. Dynamite. IDW. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Rusty got the point. He said IDW. IDW. Uh, I've okay. never even heard of that book. Yeah. I've seen yeah, it. Issue, issue number six just came out. <clears throat> now, how about Angry Birds? I, wait, no. IDW. Boom. Yes, Nova. Oh, I almost said I, I You're started about to, to say it. it. You were about, about to. It. I was like, I did a boom. <laughs> All right. How about Bob's Burgers? IDW. Oh, image. No, it's boom. not IDW. Nope, not boom. 
Dark Horse. Action. Dark Horse. Nope. Image. Nope. Top Cow. Nope. Um, I'm trying to think who does that kind of stuff. Because it's a, based off the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know who does that kind of stuff. Marvel. Nope. DC. All right. Uh, Any guess, Nova? I could have sworn right. it's boom, but... It is actually dynamite. Really? Boom yeah. goes the dynamite. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Two points for me and Pat. Okay. How about if I say Hero Cats? Action Lab. Yes. Boom. Hero Cats. You are geeking of. Yeah, hey, I've actually read Hero yeah. Cats, not going to lie. So same here, it's only good, because... It's a good kid's cool. book. Yep, only because the writer wants to do a podcast with us. That's you know, that's why I've read it. It's a good All book. Right. Here's a here here's one that I know somebody here has got to know. Unfollow. Image. Vertigo. No one knows. Vertigo, vertigo. Unfollow. I've never issue seen vertigo? Number, issue eight just came out. Top cow. DC Vertigo? Not top cow. I'm sorry, so repeat that one more time. I know I know top it's cow? DC Vertigo. Yes, it's DC, DC Vertigo. Yes, under it's under the DC label. Oh, okay. Army of Darkness. IDW. Furious IDW. Road. No, Dynamite. 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 Yes, Nova. Uh. All right. Paper Girls. Image. Image. <laughs> Rusty got that one. Yes. <laughs> it's all right. Nova's all right. Lead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's a tough one. <clears throat> if none of these were tough already, how about Power Lines? Action. <laughs> no. American. No, it's not American. Power lines. Power lines? Dynamite. Boom. Nope, nope. Power lines number three, part three of six at the cover price of three ninety nine. Just Dark horse. Dynamite. No one no. Valiant. I'm sorry, Rusty, what did you say? Image? Yes, you're correct. Yes. Three two images in a row. <laughs> Figured if it was an image book we would have heard of it from I you by now. Too. <laughs> I know I figured yeah. Red would have talked about it by now. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one is if it really matters, but the Doctor Who magazine, issue 499, just came out. IDW. Dynamite. That's IDW, it is. Yeah. Doctor Who magazine. It's not Valiant? IDW? No. Uh, he, see, he added the magazine in at the end. Yes. There, so it's something course. different. Boom. 2008. And if, let me tell you, it's Doctor Who magazine number 499. Wow. Yes. At a cover price of nine ninety nine. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. All right, the answer is Panini Publishing. I, I never would have got that in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our total on this was Tap with two. We have Rusty with three, Nova with one, two, three, four, five, six. So <laughs> Nova gets right. one more All point. Right. Tonight's my night. <laughs> that it is. All right, let's move on to part three. All right. Now we're gonna we're going to break this out into um, who's in the point leads, which means tap your first, followed by Nova, mm-hmm. followed by Rusty. Run up the now, rear. Yep, you got. You're, you're bringing up the rear, brother. This is going to this this will be this will help you out. Maybe, maybe not. We shall see. First, I got to bring out my stopwatch because in 60 seconds, 
name as many comic book villains as possible, starting with a vowel. Tap, go. Two Joker, Two Face, Catwoman. Uh, yeah, damn it. Did you say a vowel? You say starting with a vowel? Wait, starting I, with I a guess vowel. I didn't. Okay, let's start over. Because okay. I was trying to. Okay. I'll, 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 was, I'll give you that. My kid was coming downstairs <laughs> and I was confused. <laughs> right, okay. okay. Starting with okay. a vowel. I missed the, the part. Starting with a vowel? Yep, yes. Sir, 60 seconds. Go. A E I O U. Onomatopoeia. That's one. Villains. Villains. Start with a vowel. Why am I drawing a blank all of a sudden? It's a tough one. Oh. Yeah. This is poison. Well, it's Ivy. This poison. <laughs> uh... Oh, you're at 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm drawing a huge blank right now. I have no idea. Um... Why do people not like vowels? <laughs> <laughs> I think of is Some of them are going to be like, oh my God, why did I think of that? Yeah, you're oh, at... I'm sure there's going to be a lot. Yep. You're well, at... That's all right. 50 seconds. That's okay. I'm, I'm Nine, eight, I can't seven, six. Come on, Nick. One. Oh, four, I got one. Three, on a monopoeia. Two. Not one. A time. All right. You got none on that round. So, Nova, you're up next. I got none. I got one. <laughs> one. I oh, one. one. I'm sorry. One, 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 one. That's fine. Yeah, okay. Don't discredit my one. <laughs> all right. Nova, all you got to do is come up with more than one. Are you ready? Uh, now, yeah. They've actually had more time than me, though, so this isn't really fair. Because <laughs> you're in first. Yeah. That, but that's no, I should go last, yeah. then. Oh, yeah, he wants like Rusty that. to steal he it again. Yeah. Supper. All right. And Nova, We should have did this in separate rooms. <laughs> uh, Ultraman. All right. Uh, can I say Eobard Thawne? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Come on. All right. You're at atrocities. Atrocities. And there's no repeats, right? I mean, no. Okay, so I got two right. Atrocities. Okay. Um, All right, you're almost at 40 seconds. Anti-monitor? Yeah, there you go. Oh, no. Eight, seven, six. Omni-Man. No, he doesn't. Yes. Oh, yeah, sweet. Yes. Time. Okay. Right. I don't feel right. so bad. You had like three minutes and you only came up with four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you got four. Turn. All right. Ready, Rusty? Yeah. Mark, get set. Go. Uatu. Uatu. Okay. Oh, He's been a villain in one issue. The mm -hmm. Watcher? Yes. <laughs> Ultron. Yeah. Ultron. Finally, somebody said Ultron. Ultron. Um, uh,. What else was there? Um, wait. You. Um, I said Ultron, Ruatu. Um, how about uh, Electro? Electro, yep. Okay, so that's three. Um, and then let's do um, AE. 
Time's up. Nova got it with four points. I thought he got three. Ooh, no, you got four. He had four. He had four. And you so even Nova. had like five minutes to think about it. <clears throat> How about some of these ones that you forgot about? Like Apocalypse. Oh, I should have <laughs> said Apocalypse <laughs> oh, or Onslaught even. I got Onslaught. Annihilus. Abomination. Oh, Omega Red. Oh my gosh! These are all Marvel people too, Rusty. Rusty, this was like your thing to take, man. This it was. was your, it was. I really thought you were going to get this, Rusty. I am not good under the pressure, apparently. I guess not. <clears throat> all right, so let's see. Where, where, where are we at now? My goodness, uh, Rusty got. Nova, you... I'm not Rusty. Uh, Nova got three points. Yeah, so you're at five points total so far. Rusty's at two, and Tap's still in the lead at six. So that's still we're going to go in the same order. All right. We have the whole year, though. It's okay. Yeah. Tap Nova Rusty for part four in sixty seconds. Name as many comic book heroes that start with a vowel. Tap go. Ant Man. Um. Ice Man. Uh. Technically, you could say Omni Man. He was both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you that because it is true. Um, Animal Man. Mm-hmm. Nice. Elongated Man. Mm-hmm. Um. No pressure, but you have 15 seconds. Archie's kind of one in Archie, Afterlife with Archie. Okay, um, I can give that to you. Four, three, Invincible. Two, one. Yep, you got that, and time's up. So you got a total of seven. All right, I did much better this round. <coughs> Nova, you are up. All you got to do is beat seven. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. On your mark, get set, Go. Aquaman. Yes. Um, yeah. Rusty's typing elastic... these as he's going. He's cheating. Is, a, is, a, is Elastic <laughs> Man a thing? Yeah, he's a thing. Yeah. Yep, that's two. Yeah, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I feel sad. You feel sad. Well, you still have you still have twenty four seconds. Yeah. Well, some good that's gonna do me. Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, yeah. I may as well. I may as well reel it in. All right. You want to cut it? Yeah. I'm not gonna All think. Right. I would like to point out, Rusty's been three, typing hero two, names this entire one. time while everyone's yeah. been going. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right, Rusty, go. Uh, Immortal, Adam, um, Atlas, Iron Fist, Uatu, um, uh, Adam Warlock, um, 
how about um oh see now his list ran out so now he has to yeah it did run out um how many is that for google <laughs> six for google um uh, iron man uh iron man tied with tap need one more um, Come on, I did off the top of the dome. You had four minutes to write. I know, I'm thinking. Um, um, uh, um, oh, um, Eternity. Um, okay, boom, you got it. Yeah. Okay, you got the point for that round. Can I just say next time, if we ever do this again, I think whoever's not participating should have to take their headphones off. <laughs> so that, like, These family, are all people that fa- were not named, family fe- I know, but family feud style, because the whole time I'm going, like, this way you don't even know what the question is. So your headphones are off. So before we even begin, a good idea. your headphones are off. So you don't even know what the question is. And then you can okay. repeat mine. That's fine. If you repeated mine, whatever, it, it is what it is. You didn't know the question, so it's fine. Okay, you guys are on video, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, Nova and Rusty, take off your headphones and look for Taps Cute to have you come back in. All right, fair enough. All right, they're off. We're good. Okay, in 60 seconds, name me as many image comic book titles as possible that start with a vowel. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Starts with a J, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me when. And. Go. Invincible. Yep. Um, Aloha Dick. Yep. Um, I'm racking my brain. Okay, you're at 25 seconds in. That's two. Everything I'm doing, none of them are. Everything I'm thinking in my head, none of them are vowels. (laughs) Uh, Vowels are tough, one, aren't they? They're extremely tough. Um. Yeah, everything I'm thinking, none of them are vowels. Um. Fifteen seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. Four, yeah, I don't know. Three, two, one. Every single all image right. title I thought of wasn't a vowel except for those two. That's all good. All right, you got two points. Why don't we go ahead and have Nova come in? All right, since he's the next. Nova, you're good. Hello. Uh, yep, you're good, Nova. Rusty left all us, right. so you're good. You're up. all right. So Nova, okay, Tap, you can stay on because you already Correct. know what's going on yep. here. Okay, so Nova. In 60 seconds, name as many image comic book titles as possible that start with a vowel. Go. Okay. Um, Invincible. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> He's looking at his books. <laughs> uh, how, many, how many image trays do you have on that shelf? A lot. All right. East of West. Yes, east to west. Ooh, good one. Yes. And you are you have two points, you're tied with tap. Uh yeah, tough one. But they've come out with a lot. Can I count why? Sometimes why, right? Young bloods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Sometimes Oh. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, 
four, three, two, uh, one. All right. I'm ashamed. All right. So oh. you said east of west. I missed that one. The one I got was Aloha Dick. I thought it was Ola Dick. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> oh, it was Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Yeah, you know. They say Ola in, in Hawaii. <laughs> Oh, oh God, man. I'm so sad. I really thought you'd say Angela for some reason. But... <sighs> well, we tied, so it's all good. Rusty, yes. come on, do we think Rusty's going to be able to name more than two? You're good, Rusty, you're on, you're good now. It's your turn, buddy. Are you there? All right, Rusty, you on? I'm here. All right, he's there. Okay. Good. All right, so. I'm going to give you the same question that I gave to the other two guys. In 60 seconds, name as many image comic book titles as possible that start with a vowel. Go. <laughs> um, let's start with a vowel. Um, none of the original four start with an vowel. <laughs> um, what else is there? Um, I Hate Fairyland. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else is there? Uh, not um. God damn. <laughs> Y'all suck! Oh my gosh! Um, I think by the end of this, you're gonna realize you're the one who sucks because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you'll see. Yeah. Um. Hey, and no pressure, by the way. But just so you know, you're at 45 seconds. Oh no! Um, so uh, and Tapanova got uh, two points. All you need is two more to beat them. Wait, oh, they only got two. Um, uh, uh, two, one, times up. Invincible! Oh, invincible! <laughs> no one said invincible. <laughs> no, yes, we did. You did it. Oh, oh! I figured it would have been set already, and we can't do repeats, right? Yeah, no, you can't. Can, can, invincible! Oh, because you're not hearing me. You're you don't hear. It doesn't matter if I don't hear you. I know you're going to say Invincible. <laughs> so? Those were the new rules. Okay, but okay. See, say you would have said Invincible. Oh what, other, what other one would you got? We all would have tied it yeah. to. Okay, so if it wasn't Invincible, I don't know what the old We all would have tied it to. I just thought of Outcast too. Yeah, uh, Outcast. How about, like I said, we have Astonishing Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Artifacts. Hey, Rusty, get this. He didn't let me get through with Youngbloods. Oh, that Nova sucks. said sometimes why, sometimes why. Sometimes, I said, sometimes why, I, you I know guess. what? I was thinking that today was, I was sitting there and I was like, original. Today four. wasn't one of the days. No, they don't get by with young blood. Apparently. Good job with yeah. today I wasn't one of the days. Fairyland, though, yeah. neither one of us said I hate Fairyland. Yeah. So good job with that one. So and here's here's the problem. Yeah, you know, Tap and Nova, you both tied on this. Yeah, you both tied. I think we need a tiebreaker. What, what do you uh, think, Rusty? Uh, I think so. All right, so. All right, so tap your still in the lead. So, Nova, take your headphones off. Rusty, you can stay on. Cool. All right, he's off. We're good. All right. So your main thing is Marvel. Give me as many Marvel comics that start with a vowel. Go. Ant-Man, Avengers, Age of Ultron, uh... Electra, um, Astonishing X Men, um, Uncanny X Men, Uncanny Avengers, uh, <laughs> everything uncanny. 
Astonishing Ant-Man. Um, uh, Time's running out. Uh, There's so many. Nine, oh, I know. Eight, I'm just... Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ultimatum. Time. All right. You Did got ultimatum eight. get in? And it didn't get in. It was at 101. So, okay, so I got eight. Rusty, is that what you, you got, got in your hands? You have eight. Okay. You got eight. All right, so bring Nova in. Hello. All hey. right, Nova. So, Nova, I asked Tap to name as in 60 seconds as many um, Marvel comics that start with a vowel. But I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you to name me as many DC comics that start with a vowel. Since he did his forte, now you're going to do your forte. There's all the uncannies and the <laughs> all new. He only got eight. Yeah, he only I got eight. I didn't more get, than eight. And the ages. I didn't. He only get, got eight. I tried not to keep repeating just because I felt like that would be cheating. So I tried not to do that. So all you got to do is get nine. Uh, nine DC and... titles that start with a vowel. It could be easy. Yeah. yeah we'll see what All happens. right. And start. Adam. Infinite Crisis. Omega Men. Mm-hmm. I Vampire. Mm-hmm. You're at four. You've named some people. Action Comics. There Aquaman. you go. Yep. You're at six with 28 seconds left. Need three more. Forty-five seconds. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Time. All right. I would have said Animal yep. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have made me win. No. Yeah. That was that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Yeah. All right. So. As it stands for today, we have Nova got three points today. Rusty one and Tap one point. Pretty good, guys. Nice job. Yeah, it's a little something good. different. You know, something different. I think it was a little fun. But, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That was good. So, so that's going to wrap it up for the most – oh, but maybe it won't wrap it up because, oh, you know oh. what, I think it's time for a new challenge. All right. Yes, you know, something. Now, let's see. First challenge was what? What did we do again? Uh, find the hidden clip. Yeah. Did anybody find it? No. no that was a pain. No. I tried to. Yeah. I tried also. It was hard. Next challenge was, after that, was what? Cosplay. Uh, cosplay. Cosplay. Did anybody get that? No. Nobody even posted a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Last challenge was... Get an actress to... I got a yes. like... I got a we like. St- Technically, we still have like six days. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody's gotten that one as of yet. So we're going to do something a little bit different. All you got to do, and this this is this is simple. All you got to do is reach out to a comic book shop 
and have them post to four guys in a comic flyer and have oh, them take a picture easy. of it. Wait, and that's they, easy. I already have a local comic shop with flyers in it. And post a picture of the flyer on our Instagram. And then for every one that you do, you get a point. That's it. Wait, how do wow. we, you mean like we go to a comic shop and take a picture and post it on our Instagram? No, no. you can call Australia and have them send a picture. How do they so send it who a has picture the coolest to our place or is it who has just one? I'm sorry, say that again, Rusty. Is it who has the coolest place a flyer is posted or is it just how many you can one? get? Yeah. Wait. You get you, all you, I mean if if you get 5, you get 5 points. So who has the most? Doesn't matter who has the well, most. Well, just as long the well, more you get, the more points you get in the story, it doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. Here is it. Yeah, here is your chance to catch up to take the lead, to get way up in the lead. I uh, like it. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's, yeah. All you got to do is start emailing out shops and run into shops and post a flyer and get a picture and post on Instagram. That easy. And you can solicit help. Dope. Yes. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's going to wrap up uh, our contest for today. Uh, it was a lot of fun. For all of those that are uh, tuning in, stay tuned to us for uh, more Battle of the Geeks in a couple weeks and with a lot more of exciting questions and challenges. What's up, guys? It's the one and only Nova. And I'm back this month with uh, fun facts. So it's that time of the podcast where we're going to talk about interesting dark mysterious no but in all honesty they're fun facts little nifty treats and in bits of information about the comic industry and you know the creators and the characters and storylines and whatnot so let's dive in so we all know who batman is big guy big character uh, he's probably the most popular character on the planet but what's interesting is we know he was uh, basically very generously borrowing from the Shadow when he first uh, came into existence. His character was very, very similar to the Shadow. But um, here's a fun fact. A Batman-like character named the Black Bat debuted practically simultaneously with Batman. Yes, that is right. But... Uh, Let's go back a little bit and give you a little history on the Black Bat. So he first appeared in the early 30s, 1930s. Uh, he was a pulp character. Uh, he lived in a short-lived pulp magazine series called Black Bat Detective Mysteries. But he was just a normal hero here. He was just, you know, a standard detective wearing the trench coat and all. But he was named the Black Bat. So that's the only real connection Batman and the Black Bat have is this sort of bat name and whatnot. But yeah, the, the series didn't last very long, but in the pages of that book, in July of 1939, the Black Bat debuted. So he did debut um, after. Um, you know, he as more of a, a vigilante type character anyway. But it is a really cool coincidence, and you know, it's one of those things that I guess a lot of people just don't know where has always been a, um, a a sort of confusing topic and, you know, history is kind of hard to piece together. But uh, uh, Batman did come first, Bat fans, so do not worry. 
but this has um a very a very interesting uh side fun fact now i dove a little deeper into this character the black bat just because i wanted to see did they copy an origin here what you know how how far did uh did this comparison between batman and uh, black bat go and what i found out was that the black bat's origin let me tell you guys this the black bat was a former district attorney who was blinded and scarred by acid from a bad guy does that sound familiar i don't know do 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 you guys know uh, an attorney who is blinded by acid and scarred for life i don't know sounds really familiar but um anyway stanley question for you uh but he dressed up as the black bat afterwards um i thought that was a little fun fact moving on from that this is this next little fun fact is for the x fans out there you know if you're ever looking for a good piece of trivia i got one here right for you the first appearance of X-Men in an animated cartoon series. Now, um, most people would tell you, you know, the the failed cartoon pilot, Pride of the X-Men, uh, aired quite a few times in the late 80s, early 90s. Again, it was a failed cartoon pilot. Other fans, you know, they'll tell you stuff like uh, the X-Men had a few appearances and stuff like Spider-Man and his amazing friends or, you know, Firestar and Iceman were there after all. Uh, and they were intended to be X-Men at the time, but, you know, that's not really, doesn't really count as the first uh, true appearance. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, there's sort of always been this argument of what their first true appearance was. But the fun fact of this part is that they actually appeared in 1966. What TV show? Submariner, of course, of course. Um it's really interesting i found just because um you know mostly because i had no idea that um the submariner actually had a show and i guess i just don't know my animated comic history but uh that you know that the x-men actually appeared so early i mean this is when they were being brought into the world so you had the original five you had wolverine no no sorry not wolverine you had angel uh iceman beast gene gray professor xavier showed up cyclops was in the show um, it's amazing. I mean, I was, I'm totally shocked when I saw this, but again, you ever want to make some quick money? You ever want to win a bet? You ever want to win some trivia? Get yourself that question out there and, uh, take home the prize. Now, spinning off of the whole X-Men animated series bit here, um, another fun fact about the show, the 90, the 92 show was that the first two episodes actually aired before they were ready. So, that's right that's right all the effects were not finished so you had um there's some pretty significant differences you can notice uh when you look at side by side pictures there is a storm without her full effects being finished her special effects when she's creating lightning such and such um you can see beast is actually not shaded properly his character the shading between the blue and the black is not actually properly done uh gambit's eyes for example are not that that red but they're regular eyeballs you know stuff like that little things like that but when you look at it side by side it is pretty noticeable i thought that was an interesting fact and you know the show still did really well even though it wasn't actually finished um which just you know reminds us all of what a great and classic show that is 
But moving on to um, yet another fun fact. Also X-Men oriented to a degree. Um, we all know who, I'm going to butcher the last name here. Joe Madu- Maduera is, Madurera, Joe Mad. Like We all know him as Joe Mad. He's huge artist. People love this guy. I love this guy. He's amazing. He's got uh, a manga sort of style art that was, I guess, really popular and still is. He's sort of exaggerative and just just really great when it comes to art. But now, what you guys may not know is that um, Joe Mad's artwork was actually being swiped. Now, swiped means copied, basically. Someone looks at it and doesn't really trace it, but copy it sort of panel for panel. We've seen Rob Liefeld do this. We've seen, you know, a few artists. Other, I think Greg Land maybe does it, too. But the thing is, Joe Mad was 20, 20 years old at the time. Now, the person uh, who was stealing his style was this fellow named Joe Cruz. Was it? Yes, Roger Cruz. I apologize. Roger Cruz. Um, you know, he had stolen artwork from so many comics, panels for panels, and he would take panels from multiple comics and make a page out of them and submit them to a company, like just really shameless stuff like that. And, you know, it's not it's not right. It's not something that I think you know, it's something people frown upon in the industry. And Joe Mad was really upset. He was, again, 20 years old at the time. So, uh, or in his 20s, we all know how aggressive and tough we are back then. And in uh, in an issue of Uncanny X-Men, number 325, he actually gets a little bit of revenge where he adds a, a little man walking in the background of a panel with a newspaper in his hand saying, Cruz swipes again. Um which was obviously a jab at the fact that Cruz at the time was swiping all these artists' work, you know, Eric Larson, guys like that. Uh, And it's funny that now if you look at Roger Cruz's art or the artwork after Uncanny X-Men number 325, uh, you will not see any more swiping. He's done. Um, Whether that was Joe Mad or not, who knows? The fun fact is the fact that uh, Joe Mad knew this was happening and he wasn't happy about it, and he put it in a book. Why not? Another quick fun fact for you. Gonna jump back over to DC Comics over here. For those of you that have read Infinite Crisis, um, huge tragedy in the book, especially if you're a Teen Titans fan at the time, was that Superboy actually died um, during the final act, saving a lot of people, you know, basically ending the crisis, having a huge part to play in it. But a fun fact is that it was actually Nightwing who was supposed to die. Nightwing was the one who was supposed to fall, but because of editorial reasons uh, that did not come to pass, and so it wound up being Superboy instead. Um, I think Nightwing would have been a, t- a tough thing to live through, I think, you know, seeing Nightwing die, he's such a great character, and everyone loves him, but I think he definitely would have brought characters together. Now, last fun fact, real quick, Jack Kirby, um, which we all know and love, He's the king. He designed the costumes for production of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. And uh, so 1969, University of Santa Cruz wrote to Marvel Comics and they asked if any artists uh, would be interested or willing to design costumes uh, for obviously the college college's production of William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. And what's interesting um is that Jack Kirby and his family had actually recently moved to California. And so the university contacted Jack, and that went from there. And if you look at the designs, they're really well done. They're super Jack Kirby. And they look sort of like his uh, later-day uh, New God stuff over at DC Comics, High Father, Dark Side, all those guys. Really cool stuff. Google it if you can. It looks fantastic when they're made and when they're drawn as well. 
But that's all I've got for fun facts today, guys. I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, I tried to, you know, bring some things that we all grew up with and give you some fun facts about them. So until next time, uh, try to find your own facts. Hit me up. Let us know on Twitter and stuff. I'd, I'd love to know some cool things about the industry that I didn't know before. Welcome, everyone, to another new edition of Today in History. I am your lovely host, Tap, and I got the other guys with me, so they might jump in and we might discuss a little something-something, or I'm just going to ramble for five minutes and you're going to love it. So, either way, um, first of all, I was like, okay, so the month of June, let's go back in the month of June. What's happened in the history of comics in the month of June? And the first thing, when doing research that came up, was Action Comics number one had a cover date. It originally actually released in March, but it had a cover date of June 1938. So the feature first appearance of Superman took place in the world of comics in June 1938. Yeah, I thought that one was kind of big. I was like, oh, we definitely have to throw that one in there. That's huge. Because without that, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. So it might have been because, you know, Superman is from Canada, and by the time it got shipped from Canada to the States, that time elapsed. <laughs> yeah, it, like, slipped through, like, a time stream or something. Um, my next little fun fact, if you will, is actually in June 1972, Mr. Luke Cage made his first appearance in comic books. Uh, created by Arter, uh, writer, I'm sorry, Archie Goodwin and John Romita Sr. He appeared in Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number one. And as we all know, he later went on to become Power Man. Yep. So, but yeah, so June 1972, first appearance of Luke Cage. So June. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I mean, they're about to do the whole, like, I, I don't know if they're going to do the Netflix series, but they're talking about doing, like, Defenders and stuff, and he's going to be an Iron Fist and whatnot. So. Oh, he's getting his own Netflix series. Is, from yep. is he? I, I, I don't know yes. if they confirmed that or not. Yeah, no, yep. that's what I heard. He's getting yep. his own Netflix series. I think it's already filmed. Or yeah, in the process of being filmed, one of the two. It's probably in post-editing, if anything, by now. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, for my another one here, probably my my last one, uh, Rusty. I think you'll appreciate this more so than anyone. But in June, nineteen ninety one, X Force number one by Fabian Nitzieza and Rob Liefeld beat the record set by Spider Man number one. Um, they so they beat like the number of issue the number of issues sold. They their previous record was Spider Man number one, X Force number one beat that record, and the reason why it did is they say a lot of it was in part to the marketing gimmick, is in which collectors cards were actually polybagged with the issue. So the therefore the paid circulation of issues sold came out to approximately 3.9 million copies for X Force number one. Yep, Liefeld got away with it, man. Did X Men one beat that? 
some people ask that, but what I, from what I know, I still think it's X Force number one was the most hyped thing. Yeah. Well, now, do you own one of those poly bags there, Rusty? I do. <laughs> I, had a, I do. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah, I actually own two copies. I own one unpolybagged and one polybagged. Mm. I do the exact same thing. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the one of them, the, the one I got, one of them, uh, I don't know what's in the polybagged one, obviously, but um, the uh, the one that I got unpolybagged, um, he told me, he was like, it doesn't come with a card or anything. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I paid like four bucks for it anyway. And I opened it up, and it had the damn Deadpool card in it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> and the, the card online goes for $4 itself. So basically, I, I paid uh, $4. Yeah, I broke even, basically. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. So, yeah, that's uh, the Today in History. It actually should be called This Month in History. Uh, but, yeah, so This Month in History in Comic Book World there you have it. First appearance of Superman. First appearance of Luke Cage. And X-Force number one beating out Spider-Man number one in all-time sales. Stay tuned for the next segment. Well, everyone, it's that time again for Red's Weekly Releases, bringing you the weekly releases for June 22nd, 2016. For those of you who are interested in what will be in your short box this week, or for those of you that just want to know what you need to tell your retailers to put into your short box, this is what we've got going on. Starting off with DC Comics, we have Action Comics number 958, with a variant cover being offered for that. We'll have Adventures of Supergirl number 4, Aquaman number 1, with a variant cover being offered. You'll be getting Cyborg number 12. We'll also get Deathstroke number 19. Detective Comics number 935 with a variant cover being offered. The Flash number 1 with a variant cover. Future Quest number 1, second printing variant cover. Harley Quinn number 29 covers A and B. You'll also be getting uh, Justice League number 52. Looney Tunes number 231. Mad Magazine number 540. Red Thorn number 8. Robin, Son of Batman, number 13. Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana, number 6. This is part 6 of 6. Wrapping up that series, we get Teen Titans, number 21. And to wrap up for DC, we have Wonder Woman, number 1. And of course, it's going to be a variant cover being offered for that. Now let's switch on over to Marvel. We have Captain America, Sam Wilson, number 10. With the variant cover being offered. Carnage, number 9. We'll have Civil War II, Choosing Sides, number one, part one of six. And we are we having, what's that, four variant covers being offered for it. Deadpool vs. Gambit, number one. This is a five-issue miniseries. And it'll have a variant cover being offered for that one, as well as Doctor Strange, number nine. Drax, number eight. Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season one. Gwenpool, number zero, second printing variant. Gwenpool, number two, second printing variant. And, of course, Gwenpool number three with a variant cover offering for that as well. You'll have Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Contest of Champions number four. The Mighty Thor number eight with two variants being offered. Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur number eight with a variant. And we'll have Miss Marvel number eight with one variant. Nighthawk number two with a variant. We have Power Man and Iron number five. Hey, guess what? It's with a variant. Rocket Raccoon and Groot number six with a variant. Scarlet Witch number seven with two variants. 
we'll have Star Wars The Force Awakens Adaptation number one. This is a five issue series. And guess what? It comes with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, eight variants. Phew. All right. It looks like uh, Marvel Comics is going to really hit some people's walls with those variants this week, aren't they? We'll have Timely Comics Scarlet Witch number one, Timely Comics Squadron Supreme number one, and Timely Comics The Total Awesome Hulk number one. You'll get Totally Awesome Hulk number seven with a variant, Ultimates number eight with a variant, Uncanny Avengers number ten, Web Warriors number eight, and uh, what what? Web Warriors don't get a variant also. They don't they don't rate. Oh my goodness! All right, well that is going to wrap that up. Let's talk over to Image Comics, one of my favorite. Oh, on top of the list, I'm so excited. Aloha Hawaiian Dick issue number three, part three of five. And if you guys haven't read Aloha Hawaiian Dick, where have you been? Go pick it up. Get it today. It is awesome. We'll also be getting Bitch Planet number 8, Autumn Land number 11, Tooth and Claw. You'll have Cry Havoc number 6, covers A and B. You'll be getting Drifter number 12, covers A and B. And that one, I'll tell you, it's in my pull box. You'll also have Image Plus number 3, ooh, which comes with part 3 of Here's the Negan storyline. Price at $1.99. Guys, check out Image Plus. It's well worth $1.99. And let's see. What else we got on here? Pretty Deadly, number 10. You'll have Rumble, number 11. She-Wolf, number 1. Snowfall, number 5. Thief of Thieves, number 32. That's in my pull box as well. And guess what, guys? That's going to wrap up our weekly releases for June 22nd, 2016. Be sure to check them all out. For a limited time, when Rusty finds Gem on his quest, you can get free t-shirts. Just head on over to our Facebook page, keyword 4 guys in a comic, and tell Rusty to read Invincible. Also check us out on Instagram as 4 underscore guys underscore and underscore a underscore a comic, on the Twitterverse at the number 4 guys in a comic, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean.